Hi, this is Neta Laurene from SmackDown, and you're listening to Freeform Rock Podcast. You are listening to the Freeform Rock Podcast. Is everybody in? Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The ceremony is about to begin. Well, you know, I mean, with Dokken, I just, he, what, what sticks in my mind is all the great tours that we got to go on, all the great people we got to play with, all the great people I got to work with. I got to record with, you know, legends and, and, and it was an amazing learning experience. And, um, I, again, I, I, I'm so grateful for that time because we did, we learned so much and we had a lot of great opportunities. Um, as far as anything, one thing that stands out, not particularly just, uh, but in general, um, you know, we got to, we got to do stadiums and that was amazing and, and lots of festivals and, you know, so, so the docking experience was very, very positive. Um, and I just look back on it with extreme fondness. The hardest part about being in docking was that we were, we were, we were fighting a lot and, and that was no good. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it was also a lesson in how to check your ego and how to not let your ego ruin something because really egos are what ruined Dokken. Dokken had a good chance, but the oversized ego problems that we had, you know, kind of ruined it. And um, big, big lesson in that. So, you know, I, I carry that with me to this day. All right, man, you know where you're at? You just heard the beginning, right? Uh, where, where am I? Where am I at? I was just taking in a van somewhere, and now I'm here on the Freeform Rock podcast. <laughs> oh man, I was gonna have Mooger introduce it. Yeah. Oh. Because oh. <laughs> Mooger didn't know where he was at in the chat, so. <laughs> I, I'm here, man. Uh, a van picked me up as well, and I, I blindfolded uh, me, and now I'm in front of uh, all uh, you. Mooger, I'm, I thought I'm, I heard I'm, you in the van. Yeah, I'm the one driving the van. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. I, I'm a sucker for free candy. If someone offers me free candy, I was like, yeah, where is it? Where is it? They lured me with jelly beans. Oh, so a bitch, man. I like this. I'll take a whatchamacallit. Ooh. <laughs> I haven't had that since 1984. Dude, that's my favorite fucking candy bar, man. Mine too, I swear Jerry. to God. I swear to God, it's that's my favorite. Mine fucking too. Candy bar. Zero bar is my favorite. Oh, that's yeah. good, too. Well, let's I'm like, that's, that's, co that's coconut, right? Yeah. No, Zero Bar, that's the one with the white chocolate, and it's got the almond oh. flavored nougat and caramel. That's, that, that's pretty good. I thought that was Mounds, because you know what? Sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes yeah, Mounds is cocoa. There's a couple Almond Joy has nuts, Mounds. I never feel like a nut, Mark. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, did he say he feels like you want a nut? Or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mark, why you want a nut? I was the Almond Joy Mounds commercial, man. Come on. Good Jesus. That's dirty as fuck. That's worse than our graphic candy bar. Just, That's just worse than Arby's. We got the meats. <laughs> hey, one of the few commercials that you remember. Because today's commercials aren't really that memorable, man. <laughs> Our commercials What's not good. Well, actually, that Applebee's commercial is pretty good. That new one they got. It's like these like uh, three black guys and they're singing like the Baby Back Ribs song and they're, and they're killing it. They sound like the fucking Temptations or some shit. And so the waitress walks up and she's like, oh, I know what y'all getting. Yeah, she's black too. I know what y'all getting. You getting some Baby Back Ribs. And she walks away and the guys are like, wait a minute. No, I want steak fajitas, bitch. You know? <laughs> it's hilarious. All right, man. Uh, Jerry, 
uh, introduce who we have on the show today, since we already know Eric's here, man. Let, let's like yeah. give. Hey, who knows? Eric's. It may yeah. not be me. Yeah, Eric, Eric, Eric pretty much the very first thing said on the show. You can tell that's Eric, man. It's always good to have him. <laughs> How you doing, dude? I, I'm good, man. How you doing? I'm hanging in there, man. Yeah. Can't complain. Then we got a uh, fucking the coolest shirt of the day right there, Notre Dame, man. Fucking hey, what's yeah. up, there? <laughs> can you hear us, Joe? Oh, shit, it's Veal Pro. Oh, they're, they're, wait a minute. Oh, God, his wheel's freezing. Uh, oh, he doesn't have his headphones on. <laughs> they're not working. Uh, All right, <laughs> just keep talking about it, man. <laughs> uh, you can say what we're doing this week, Hold on, there we go. Come on. Oh, yeah. uh, we're oh, for yeah, yeah, there we go, the big boy headphones. Yeah. Hey, Joe, can you hear us, Joe? Can you hear us? Still having some issues here. Give me a second. All right, uh, <laughs> Shit, man. That was fun. <laughs> All right. Uh, and, and, and of course, we got the two uh, two coasts, Mark Auden Taylor and, and Shane Paisley, better known as the Mooger Fugger. How you guys doing? Doing good. And Mooger, be be sure and step on us when you want to get your word in, man. Just don't sit there and listen <laughs> to us go off, man. Dude, take off that fucking hat, dude. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Mark, you might. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Take off that fucking hat, that, man. man. God damn. It's a metal. It's a rock and metal show, dude. Come on. We're not recording it. Oh they God, fucking, Mark, stop a... wearing the blue basketball shorts. I swear you never change out of those. <laughs> Muppets on ice, man. All right, shit. I got C three PO hat now, man. Let's get this okay. show going. Let's, you you were introducing Joseph, man, and he had headphone problems. There, Joe. Yeah, I'm good. I got it figured cool. out. Nice. How you doing, man? Doing good. Good, good, good. Hell yeah. All right, Jerry, what are we doing this week, man? We're doing actually a really fucking good and underrated album. We're doing Dawkins Dysfunctional. I came across that album. It was Remember when Walmart used to have the $5 bins of CDs? Oh, yeah, I still do. Fucking it. I, I found that in there. I found Tesla's Bustin' Nut and... Uh, <laughs> Great White's hooked in there. It's like five bucks. I'm like, damn, man. You can't find it yeah. anywhere now. I know. I'm telling you, man. It's, uh, I got a really good deal on it. And I'm like, you know, this album's probably going to fucking suck when I played it, dude. Fucking pretty good album, man. I mean, uh, I guess it was originally supposed to be a Don Dawkins solo album, I guess, right? Am I right on that? Yeah. Yes, yes it sir. was. Uh, like, it, it was basically, I think him, Pilsen, and Brown were working on it, but uh, Lynch came in at last fucking minute. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, man, this ended up being a really pleasant surprise, man. Um, there was a little uh, dated kind of, a little grungy moments, I guess, <laughs> you could say. But uh, yeah, but, you know, all in all, man, it's a pretty good freaking record, man. I mean, um, we'll see what everybody thinks about it here in a minute, I guess. Yeah, man. Good pick, man. Uh, let's let, let's start with Joseph. How did you get into docking, man? So I've been into Dawkins for as long as I can remember. My dad was a big Dawkins fan growing up, so when I was younger, he would play Doc play Dawkins all the time. And one of the ones that I remember, he well, he always had uh, Under Lock and Key on cassette. And then when CDs started really picking up steam in our house, he got the very best of Dawkins, and so it kind of introduced me to a little bit of a wider uh, sort of overview of their discography, all the way from the first album, the whole way through to this album, actually, Too High to Fly was on that Greatest Hits CD, and so that's the first time I heard that song. It was the only song I knew off this album until later on as I really started getting into music and I discovered this album myself, and then I kind of placed it there, kind of put it into a little bit more context about where this song kind of came from. But, yeah, and it's uh, 
yeah, so I've always been a big Dawkins fan. I've seen them live. They were awful. Um, <laughs> it was, it was, and I, I, I'm pissed to this day. So I was going to see them at the M3 Rock Festival in 2019. And it was supposed to be three quarters of the original lineup. They had, they had announced that George Lynch was going to be playing with the band for the entire set that night. And then he got pneumonia. And so he had to back out. And that was the first show they did after Wild McBrown retired. And we didn't know that until the night of the show that he did, he wasn't playing with them. They never announced it ahead of time. And so I went from possibly seeing three quarters of the classic Dawkins lineup to basically seeing Don Dawkins solo. Yep. And it was not good at all. <laughs> um, but they did, they did play too high to fly that night. So I got to see at least a song off this album live. <laughs> so yeah, that's how, that's how I got into Dawkins. <laughs> Hey, uh, Eric, yeah. how did you get into Doc? And I know you talked about this on your show, the Rock All Over You podcast. Yeah. Still and waiting we, we, for that second episode. By the time this is out, that'll be out. So. It's ready to go, and it's scheduled for it's scheduled for release on the 11th. So uh, it's scheduled. So it'll be uploaded while I'm gone. Um, but, yeah, fucking, uh, I got into docking early, man. I was a young kid getting into metal. I think third grade was really when, like, everything exploded. Third or second grade was when everything exploded, and, like, I'm discovering all these fucking bands left and right. And docking was one of those bands. My dad found an old uh, box of, like, all those old uh, heavy metal VHS tapes and everything, and uh, he had unchained the videos or whatever that VHS was. Yeah. Um, awesome. well, well, actually, before then, I saw Jeff Pilsen in the movie Rockstar, and I thought Jeff Pilsen was the coolest motherfucker on the planet, and I remember my dad, like, uh, my dad had two docking CDs, it was Breaking the Chains and then Under Lock and Key. Well, Breaking the Chains didn't have Jeff Pilsen, so I told my dad, Dad, I want to listen to, can you play Under Lock and Key? And my dad's, my dad's quote was, uh, like, let's listen to, like, let's listen to Breaking the Chains instead. It's more metal and more cool. You know, Under Lock Key's just a bunch of fucking love songs and ballads. And, you know, and, like, I was just like, as years have gone on, I'm like, man, Breaking the Chains kind of sucks. Whereas, you know, Under Lock and Key, they found their fucking sound. It sounds fucking amazing. But I, I used to watch that Unchained the Videos uh, VHS religiously. Uh, I even bought it on DVD at one point. Uh, but I, I fucking love Dokken, man. Uh, I, I love Jeff Pilsen. I think he's the unsung hero of the band. He's my favorite, like, uh, probably one of my favorite bassists of all time. Like, he's in my top five. And uh, I'm definitely also Team Don Dokken as opposed to Team Lynch, like everyone else usually is. I think George Lynch is kind of an asshole, and I think Don Dokken does better without Lynch as opposed to how good Lynch does without Don. Yeah, true. But yeah, and this actually also, and before we, I, you guys talk, I just wanted to point out one thing too, that this is the first time I ever heard this album, like, fully. Um, I actually never listened to this whole album front to back, uh, until it was time to do this review. So, uh, yeah, so you're hearing, like, my first opinion on it. Some songs I did hear before, but, like, as far as the whole album, this is the first time me listening to it beginning to end. Nice. So, uh, Jerry, turn your mic on. Nope. Jerry. He's probably poop. He's pooping. Probably pooping. Hey, uh, Mooger or Jerry. Okay, my, mic my microphone's on. All right. No, it wasn't. <laughs> Man, so yeah, no, I must have accidentally hit it. I'm sorry. How'd you get What's the docket? Get in the docket. <clears throat> well, I mean, just you know, you know, watching the videos at MTV and hanging out with my friends. Man, um, they were always, you know, one thing about docket is they can never. They're one of those bands in the '80s that can never turn the corner like headline arenas on their own. You know what I mean? 
Yep. They, they, all, they, they were almost there, but they never could quite make it. Um, but they're a great band, man. I saw. I only saw them once, and that was the Monsters of Rock tour, and that was a fucking shit show. George Lynch threw his guitar in the Nick Brown's drum set. It was a fucking just just a, just a disaster, man. <laughs> but uh, you know they're a great band, dude. I mean, it's a shame really that they didn't get along because I think all four of them they gelled perfectly. I think you know it's, it's, as far as the band. I mean, I thought they were fucking top notch musicians and perfect together. Um, yeah, Jeff Pilson was cool and rock star. Eric. I did love that. Movie. I thought that fucking um, I have it on DVD somewhere. In here. I thought I thought Zach was the coolest one in the band. He was just a cool motherfucker in that movie. But uh, yeah, Jeff was cool in that movie too. Mm-hmm. Um, and this this album, like I said earlier, this album here um, was a very pleasant surprise for me, man. I, I expected it to really suck because you didn't really hear too much about these bands in the in the mid nineties because they're pretty much forgotten. And um, yeah, I yeah. Uh, I love Doc, and I really do. I, we talked about something the DS show the other day about they're doing a Doc movie, and I don't, I don't understand why they're doing a Doc in the movie. I mean, yeah, thanks, Doc. Well, there's probably a lot of drama in there, man. He was almost the lead singer yeah, of Scorpions. So, I mean, there's other bands that had just as much drama. They're probably bigger than. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining. I'm happy yeah. about, it, but uh, you know, I think it's uh, there's definitely bands that are bigger than Dokken that they can make a documentary. I mean, look at Rat. They're just as dysfunctional. Oh, yeah. as fucking yeah. Dokken, man. Holy shit, that band's dysfunctional. <laughs> Even Quiet Riot, man. That'd be a good one. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And one more, one more note on Doc. One more note on, on Dokken. I mean, the, the fucking it's not love video. It's still one of my favorite videos of all time, man. I, I love, love it. The back of that fucking flatbed truck. Just jamming going down the streets. I like that the was, hobo. I like the hobo at the yeah. beginning doing a little jig. Yeah. That was fucking badass, dude. It's still it's fucking badass to this day, man. Uh, there's yeah. just one thing wrong with that video. That whole freaking street is different now. <laughs> it's, right. see, there's no Tower Records, man. Uh, uh, Gazaris is gone. You know everything is mm-hmm. it's like billboards. Sad. Fucking some rave clubs there now. They're they're like the Grim Reaper, man. Everywhere they pass is gone. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> <laughs> but uh Mooger man, how'd you get into talking, man? Uh Tooth and Nail. Um right around its release. Um my brother and sister are both like three and four years older to me respectively. So that's kinda where I was starting to hear all the cool music and you know, Tooth and Nail cassette didn't leave my boom box for, you know, a year. Yeah, you know, before that it was Scorpions Worldwide Live, then comes Dockin'. And uh a love affair ever since. I mean I, I often say through the 80s and even the 90s, Dokken was one of my favorite bands. I loved everything they did. I, Under Lock and Key is, I think, a masterpiece. Uh, I think um, Back for the Attack was amazing. I loved the out the live record and all the way up to the dysfunctional record. I mean, I just never let go. I've, I've always liked them. Um, to Jerry's point, they didn't quite they were almost there they were that almost band i saw them open up for so many people and i never saw a shit show of a show with them ever they've always been solid every time i've seen you're fucking lucky yeah (laughs) and i mean they opened up for lover boy they opened up for uh oh no opened up for lover boy are you what yeah they did hey lover boy is really good man i like lover boy but open right they're still good live they're still good live lover boy fuck that fat but the, the whole deal is they they were always solid for their 25 35 minutes whatever they had on stage they were always good and i've seen them at a small club here in fort wayne uh 
a hundred times. And I just actually recently saw them. Pierre's? I don't know, a month ago. And so solid, man. The band's always been good. I've never seen a well, shit Levin's show. Levin's amazing. Yes. And Don Dawkins sings in a baritone now. That's okay. People seem to think that Don always had this high falsetto voice, and he never did. He was always a crooner. Go back to Breaking the Chains. Go back to Alone Again. Go back to Even Tooth and Nail. There aren't any high screams, man. Yes, he had a higher register, but then he does now. I, okay, I get it. He's older. He's been through some shit, but mm-hmm. he's, you know, if, if I can say this, he, he's a crooner. He was never a screamer. You know, he always had a good melodic sense to his vocal. And whether he's singing a little bit higher, a little bit lower these days, it's still a good vocal. And um, I think people need to stop giving him shit, but that's my uh, opinion. Yeah, if you don't anyway, want to see him, don't see him, what he said, right? Absolutely. If you don't like it, don't go. But but I've always been, I've always been a a fanboy of Dokken from Tooth and Nail on. I I did Tooth and Nail under lock and key. Went back to breaking the chains, not breaking the chains. I'm sorry. Uh, Yeah, breaking the chains. And then um, (laughs) one of those uh, Columbia Record House schemes. (laughs) I remember getting all of the Dokken albums up to back for the. I wish they'd bring that back, man. I want to scheme it again. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I think they got wise when they realized they had to go bankrupt because we all stole their money. Most of of my parents' CD collection in the late '90s and early 2000s came from BMG. So, dude, Uh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Fucking uh, yeah! People want to get people give uh, Don Dockin so much shit for not being able to sing, but then they won't give George Lynch shit for the fact that he can't really play guitar. Some nights, sometimes he sounds like shit and can't like play his solos properly. Hey. Oh, dude, the last the last Lynch Mod album fucking proves how he's hey, declined. Don't, don't give them any spoilers, but the episode's already been out by this time. But <coughs> there's an episode all all of us, including the guest, agreed on Bill Algae about a Lynch Mob album that just came out. <laughs> so. Uh, well, what al- what like what album he put out like he puts out fifty albums a Babylon. fucking year. Yeah, Mark, I have a band with George Lynch. That's how many <laughs> fucking side projects he has. Hey, I have he, a fucking he band with st- him. He should stick to KXM or Sweet Lynch because he's great. Knows. Well, yeah, well, 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 Sweet. Just need to keep keep hitting the gym, man. That's all he needs to do now. Uh, he's off steroids now. <laughs> I remember, I do. I remember when he became a bodybuilder and he was pumping steroids and shit. I remember that. Uh, but uh, Mooger, anything else to say, man? Um, just want to say on the the fact that Don's perspective of why they never could make it farther is like Don wasn't a drug guy. He, you know, he might have had his drink here and there, whatever. But he's like when three other people in the band are sitting there snorting pounds of coke on stage. And I'm trying to hold it together. Not he's yet. like, can you guys, he's like, can you guys not get high for like 90 minutes so we can have a career? And he said, he's kind of blames it on their, their drug use and the monsters of rock in, in particular. He said it was just off the rails. And um, it's unfortunate because they did gel together as a great band. Yeah. And Some of the best bands, though, did their stuff on drugs. Aerosmith, Motley Crue. Come on, oh, yeah. take a couple shots, dude. Come on, man. Motley Crue is kind of good for like, Three out, Just four kidding. albums, though. You're getting way too much credit, Mark. <laughs> I know. I love... For me, it's Shot the Devil and, like... The 94. Yeah, 94. That's it. Oh, there's five. That I, I forgot too about fast, 94. Too fast, for love, too fast for Love is such a shit album. It sounds like a bunch of jackass kids, like, 
that bought guitars for the first time at Guitar Center in a garage. Oh, man, come on. I love that album. I love Too Fast for Love. Oh, that album sucks. So that bad. album sucks. Sounds like girls, a Girls, podcast. Girls, Girls, <laughs> Dr. Feelgood, and Night Girls, Girls, Girls. Come on, Girls, Girls, Girls. Come on, Girls. Hey, well, let Mooger finish, man. So then I'll get to my thing. Oh, that's it, man. Uh, <laughs> I think they, I think they could have. Uh, on, they should have been a headlining band. Come yeah, they were. That, they, they were close. They were close, man. I mean, but, if 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 Rat could have made it, because I think Dokken, <laughs> I think Dokken was over Rat, in my own opinion. Dude, they have the same hey, management as fucking what Metallica and Queensrÿche at the time. Q Prime. The Q Prime. Q Prime. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. should have been bigger. Yeah. Did, did they have Electric Love like Sandra Dean? <laughs> <laughs> fucking song sucks. <laughs> Those riffs are killer on that album. Mick. Come on. It's a good riff. Yeah, right come there. on and come on and dance. <laughs> you're, you're you're too in key when you do that. <laughs> I know, right? The cowbell rules in that song. I want more all cowbell, I man. Anytime I, cowbell. I hear that song now, all I can picture is Fred Durst. That's it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my god. Well, let's get back on track here. How I got into talking. <laughs> Oh, uh, man, I got into talking on Breaking the Chains. I, I just remember that video was all over MTV because they didn't have many videos at that time. So I was watching Breaking the Chains. That video is cheesy as fuck, but they had a hot chick in there. That and chick I was homely <laughs> as fuck. She was so homely. That video didn't have a hot chick. <laughs> okay, but they had them in front of the mirror. Apparently, they had Breaking the Chains didn't have a hot they chick. Had them in front of <laughs> they had them in front of mirrors. And as a kid, man, I go, that's fucking cool. Look, they're like in the mirrors. You know, yeah, I know that video is cheesy now to me, but as a kid, I was like, this is fucking awesome. Dude, let's the, be hottest, honest, the, the hottest chick was the one in the fucking You Shook Me All Night Long video. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but let's, no, let's Cherry Pie, honest. Cherry Pie. Most most of Dawkins' videos were cheesy as hell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember one of their fucking In My Dreams. Uh, Firefighter Dawkins. Yeah. Oh, and then there's the fucking video with Don Dockin. He had fucking braids in his fucking hair. Looking like a little girl coming back from a Jamaican vacation with her them, family. Them, them fighting Freddy Krueger. Them fighting Freddy Krueger and Dream Warrior. And that video was awesome! It was cool, but it was cheesy. Oh, what a nightmare. Who were those guys? <laughs> <laughs> but we like che 80s was cheesy. That was awesome I, I like the time. I, I, like having, I like having sent. I think that was a pretty cool video. Come on. Cage, I mean, look, look at Judas Priest, man. One of the best bands ever. Their videos were cheesy as fuck, yeah, man. I like Turbo <laughs> Lover. <laughs> uh, fucking, uh, uh, what's that fucking song where they're working out? Um, fucking, uh, Hot, Hot Rockin'. Hot Rockin' in the bathhouse, yeah. yeah. I love that fucking video. <laughs> All right, well, well, I'm saying I got Breaking the Chains, and then I got, uh, I, there was the CD, first CD I bought, that and Frankie Goes to Hollywood, because there what were the no fuck, Beatles Mark? Yeah, I liked Frankie Goes to Hollywood, I like a few songs Mark, still. You, you bought Breaking the Chains, well, you're breaking my balls with this shit. Relax. Was it a Relax. I bought Mark, break, relax. Breaking the Chains, relax. because there were no <laughs> Beatles do it. CDs. Don't do it. Get to it. <laughs> There were no Beatles CDs at that time because they didn't have them released in America. But I got Breaking the Chains. Hey! And um, I got Frankie Goes to Hollywood. But man, I've been a Dawkins fan ever since, man. And then freaking Tooth and Nail came out. And then 
freaking uh, under lock and key, man. I remember just oh. getting that cassette and just fucking jamming it for yeah. hours and hours. And I also had a 5150 at that time. And my, oh, what the fuck, Mark? And my friend fuck, said, fuck my you, friend, Mark. my friend said, <laughs> fuck that Van Halen. So I've been hearing it since I was 15. Fuck that Van, or 16, fuck that Van Halen. It's not like, Van Halen, it's Vangina. He goes, play that fucking docking tape, because yeah. that shit rules, Van Halen rules, and I go, Yeah, oh. play docking, or Frankie Goes to Hollywood over that fucking <laughs> Vangina shit. Mark, do you still listen to Frankie Goes to Hollywood? Do you still I have listen that? to Relax and Two Tribes. They have two songs? <laughs> I was about to say. N you, you know, know it's sad two when tribes? someone, can, two tribes when someone can name a second Frankie Goes to Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> I have it on vinyl. Welcome to the Pleasure and Dome. And that's even worse. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to the Pleasure Dome is fucking amazing. Listen to that song. God, what an awful name for an album. Yeah. You know, you know what the Pleasure Dome They were gay! Was, right, you know what the Pleasure Dome was. No shit, Mark. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Pleasure Dome. Where you're I, like, the I like Dead or Alive also, man. That album, Youthquake. <laughs> oh, jeez, man. Are, are you going to put your uh, your eye patch on, Mark? <laughs> Come on, spin me around as a classic, man. Absolutely. All right. But that's how I got a docket. But this, this album, Dysfunctional, I remember when it first came out, I went to Tower Records in West Covina. I bought the CD. And it was my next-door neighbor, Rick Swan, who got me into fucking... I had a neighbor. He's a little older than me, but that guy got me into Floyd, Night Ranger, fucking mm. Dawkins. Frankie Goes to Hollywood. No, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but my friend did get me into Screedy Politi at one time. That band still sucks now. I don't like oh. Screedy Politi anymore. So I grew up on that album, but I still love Wham. Wham rules, George Michael oh, rules. And, and you like Dead or Alive. Yeah. Like you know, yes. Pete, hey, you know, Pete Pete Burns has more balls than Sammy Hagar, though. I'll admit that. <laughs> Send me around, baby. Look, I, like, I like Wham. I like fucking Simple Minds. I like a fucking The Cure. I like a lot of fucking like a plethora of different types of music. And everybody he likes thinks, he likes the Thompson Twins. I do like yeah. the Thompson Twins. <laughs> I was waiting for someone to say the Thompson Twins. Lies, lies, lies. <laughs> fucking welcome to the fucking hey. to the Gap. If you could be king, their version of revolution by the one day. Listen to the version well, of Mark, revolution. How much estrogen is like being unleashed in your house right now? <laughs> Listen to the version of of on the album "Here's the Future Days." Would they do a version of Revolution, which was on MTV a lot back then? It's a great fucking do, cover. Do they do they do that song "Hold Me Now"? Yes. That song's actually okay. I love that song. That, that is song one song okay, I do. Okay, you don't like lies, 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 yeah. I don't, I don't remember. Oh, yeah, I do remember that song. No, I don't like it. Lies, lies, lies. Oh, yeah. you, or, Welcome to the Pleasure Dome is a... No, not Welcome to the Pleasure Dome. <laughs> Into the Gap. The, the, the deep Pleasure track, Dome in your the mind. The deep track of Into the Gap. Do you guys like General Public? I like General Public also. I don't... No. I don't like the general public. You don't know... <laughs> <laughs> you never, I generally don't like public. You never say, watch Weird Polka. Science? I love weird. They science. have the song "Tenderness" in there. Oh, that's who uh, does that fucking song. That's General Public. They were also okay. from a ska band before the specials. Mark, this is the kind of music I listen to. Answer your uh. own fucking question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whatever. I got into Dawkins and I got this CD. I took it to my next door neighbor. I go, man, Don Dawkins' hair looks weird in this fucking picture. And what's wrong with George Lynch? He looks weird. Every the only one that looked normal in this picture is Jeff Pilson. 
that's like a... Well, I mean, so the inside cover videos, I mean, the, the pictures are all falmed out. You can barely see their face. You know what I mean? Yeah, but look... Kind of weird. Look, they look different. Like, he's got, like, a bowl cut, fucking with bangs, yeah. Don Dawkins. Yeah. And fucking George looks like a fucking huge Oompa Loompa. <laughs> fucking tan. <is> no long <laughs> hair. And then Mick Brown looks like he just combed his hair back to look cool. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Fucking, uh... So all right, so here's here's how it looks. All right, oh, Jerry, hold that arm cover up. I'm gonna do a uh, analysis here. Yeah, Don Dockin with the horrible bangs that he has. Like he just he looks like a child star from the '80s or late '70s with his damn bowl cut. Jeff Pilson looks normal. George Lynch over here trying to keep up with the trends, trying to be Tommy Lee and like, oh, I want to be hip and cool. And then Mick Brown looks like the one guy in the band that had to get a real job, and so that haircut wasn't even his choice. Then you got the inside. Oh, it's like weird. They're all fucking right like, here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you guys a picture real quick. Look at this. As shit. if the music didn't already sound enough yeah, like the cover of Alice and of Alice in Chains or Pearl Jam. The yeah, inside yeah. looks exactly like it. <laughs> yeah. Look at this fucking picture. Jeff Pilsen with the fucking dad shoes, the New Balances. Fucking Don Dawkins put on a couple pounds. Mick Brown looks like a fucking uh, ECW wrestler. And what the fuck is George wearing? Like, dude, put your fucking nipples away. God damn it. What does he think this is, Flashdance? Probably, man. I mean, we all we always say he looks like the singer of Kaja Gugu. I guess he's trying to really really bring that to life. He really is, man. It's like, God damn, George, put your fucking nipples away. God damn. Fucking looks like a leather wallet. My God. <laughs> All oh, right, man. So that—that's it on that, man. Let's get you like, uh, who is your MVP and weakest link of Dawkin on this album, Joseph? MVP, honestly, definitely George Lynch. I think he's pulling out some great solos on this album. Uh, honestly, I think some of those solos save some weak songs, in my opinion, uh, throughout the album. Uh, there's not really a weakest link for me. Everyone's really pulling their weight on this, um, but. Really, the one that really stands out for me. Also, Pilsen's really pulling some really, really great bass licks out on a lot of this stuff. Mm, exactly. Uh, but, yeah. but for me, it would be one of those two would be MVP. But there's no really, there's no weakest link for me on this album. Eric, yes. What's your Who's MVP my MVP weakest link? Uh, definitely for me, the MVP is uh, Don and uh, Pilsen. Uh, I mean, some of the vocal harmonies they're doing, like, like for me, it, like, saves some of these songs that I wouldn't really think too highly of. Uh, probably the weakest link, actually, would probably be uh, George, and not for his playing, but just for his uh, contributions. A uh, few of the songs he contributed, or, like, some of the stuff you could tell, like, he contributed to the songwriting, even if he's not, doesn't have a writing credit. It just doesn't sound right, you know, and, uh, and it's because, too, he came into this project, like, last minute. I mean, this is really, like, this album was pretty much almost done uh, before he came into the fold, and he kind of came in last <laughs> minute, and yeah, you could kind of tell a little bit. So, yeah, I think he's definitely the weakest link. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely I'm definitely more of a, a pro-Dockin, Don-Dockin guy, but, uh, I'll, you know, I'll admit when George does something good, I'll admit when he does something, you know, not so good, but that's that's who my MVP and weakest link are. Jerry, uh, I think it's definitely Jeff on this album, dude. I always thought Jeff was just a rhythm guitarist. Usually back in the '80s, he didn't really play. He just played along with the rhythm guitar mostly. But man, this fucking album, man, he can really he stands out, dude. Has some pretty killer bass riffs. Hell yeah! So definitely my MVP. And yeah, uh, George Lentz is my top, one of my top ten guitar players. I always love them, but 
to your guys' point, he was, you know, entered this album pretty late, so I really can't give him too much credit for it. So I'm not to give the weakest link to George, unfortunately. Well, um, I'll go next. I'm going to give it to the the MVP of this album is Pilsen and Brown. They're laying down some fucking killer rhythm on this album, and I think without them, and also I, I'm going to throw the production in this album. I think this is the best sounding Dawkins album. It's a lot clearer in the mix. It's not as muddy as like all their other recordings. When we get through track by track, I might fight you a little bit on that, Mark. Yeah, I will too. All right, but I, I just hear the drums and the bass really pretty good in the mix, so maybe that's why I like it. And it's a little clearer and crisper to me with the cymbals. But uh, and then I just I don't give anybody like Joseph said anybody a weakest link on this one because I think they all pull their weight on this album. So Mooger. Um, hands down, my MVP of this record, and I, I said it several times in my notes, is Jeff Pilson. I mean, the yeah. bass line, the bass lines in this record are insane. Yeah, yeah. And the bass tone and the way it was recorded, and I agree with Mark, it's a very clear recording. You can hear that bass, you can hear the percussion, it's, it's, it's apart from the guitar. Um, Don does a very ample job with his vocal. Um, but the backgrounds that I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Jeff Pilson's providing a lot of the background harmony. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. You, yeah, can, you can tell his voice. Fucking big, yeah. they sound great together. I and mean, Jeff Pilson sounds great with Foreigner. I mean, he just got right. this natural, this natural, you know, what do you call it? Harm, you can harmonize with anybody. Exactly. He can. Right. He's got he's such a beautiful an album voice. They covers with originals that Jeff sang, and those are really good. I can't remember the name. It's of that. really good. Uh, TN, uh, TNN. TNN. That's a great fucking yeah. album. TNN. Yeah, great yeah. Album. That was. So that's my MVP. Is is definitely um, Jeff Pilson. And I would actually throw in for the tracks that Michael Wagner engineered and produced. Those are some amazing tracks. And Michael Wagner did a great job clarifying the sound. I mean, overall, the album sounds cohesive and well-produced. Um, but I can definitely hear the Wagner influence on the ones he did. I think it was like tracks 5 and then 8 through 10 or something like that. But, <clears throat> but yeah, that in Weakest Link... Mick, if he was playing on, I mean, there's no memorable, <laughs> there's no memorable drums on this. I mean, it the, the drums are solid, they're good, but if I had to pick a weakest link, it, it's because it doesn't stand out, and that's in none of my notes, <laughs> except one, um, would be that. But I, I, I don't think there's really a weak link on the record, and I think it's an underrated record, and I, I'm, I'm happy to be reviewing it with you guys. That's just funny because I thought Mick sounded the best that I've heard him because the are clear on this album. Cause well, other, the production, yes, yes, the yeah, production. But did he do any like, like amazing? Crisp, you know. Yeah, but did he do anything amazing? Did he do anything well, like he, shuffle? He was like Phil through. Rudd on this album. I think it was pretty cool. Oh come right. on, Mark! I love Mick Brown, but but Phil Rudd really? You're going to compare him to to Phil Rudd, the legendary Phil Rudd? Come on! Well, I'm giving him credit there, but uh, let's get into this album, man. We're going to start right. off with... Inside. Bust this album open like a pair of panties. <laughs> Inside <laughs> Looking Out, Joseph. So it's a pretty cool opening track, honestly. Really cool harmonies kind of throughout this whole album, but this track especially has some really, really good harmonies. It's it, Immediately, it's very different from a lot of their 80s stuff. Like, just the sound of this song is immediately kind of moving away from some of their harder-edged stuff in the 80s. 
Um, but it's, I think it's a really good track, and it works really well as an opener for this album. Right. Did I pick this song? I was just about to say that, Jerry. <laughs> I try to be. I try to make a joke with me messing up on shows, so this was planned. So, Jerry, you picked this song, man. So here it is, Inside Looking Out on the Freeform Rock Podcast.
All right, Jerry, you picked inside looking out, and, you know, I fucked up. Why'd you pick this, man? I mean, I just love this song, dude. It's, I love the opening riffs, man. It's got these catchy as fuck verses. Um, Don and Jeff's harmonies, man, are off the fucking chart. We talked about that before. Man. They've always been awesome. I think this would have been a really huge hit in their heyday in the 80s. I did. It really has a lot of 80s sound to it. That's why I like it. Lynch's solo is amazing. It's short, but it fucking kicks ass. And this album's off to a great start, man. The closing solo rules as well, by the way. Um, this is a five out of five, man. We're starting out fucking good. All right, Eric, what do you think about it? Uh, inside looking out, uh, it's very it's very 60s sounding, uh, with also some of the 90s sound. Uh, there's like, you know, in the 90s, it can be broken down into like, you know, the very beginning of the 90s, it was still kind of the 80s, which is like any decade. There's that weird period between like that 80s phase and when it became the 90s, grunge took over and everything, where like everyone was like having this like, uh, this love of the 60s. You can see it in all the sitcoms and like just the fashion and like the movies at the time and the music especially. Like everyone was kind of going for this retro 60s sound in this weird little period in the early 90s. Uh, and it shows on the sound, but it's it's authentic sounding at least because I know Don's really big into like a lot of '60s music. Um, he does a lot of '60s covers, so it's natural. It's what he wants to do. It's what he likes. Uh, I, I love Don's vocal melodies, but I think it was kind of just a bad choice for an opening track because uh, it's not not really a big fan of it. It almost sounds kind of like uh, I might might get crucified here. It kind of reminds me of like some of the stuff off uh, After the Rain by Nelson. Oh, uh, yeah. That. I, I, I hear like that. One, I hear it. I, I hear yeah, it. Man. I like I one do. song. I like one song from that album. <laughs> but our our the next topic. Uh, no, no, can't live without your love infection. Oh, I, I like think it's a great track. pop. It's a great pop song. Yeah. This no, this shit sounds like kind of after the rain, but they never said they were metal. They never. Yeah, they got lumped into it, they but were, uh, they were just. Pop. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of this song, and I, I think this is one of the reasons why I didn't really care for the song. So it starts off with this track, and it's not really like, you know, Unchained the Night or, uh, you know, Tooth and Nail. It's like I'm kind of like checked out. But, uh, yeah, not my favorite. Not really the best uh, choice for an opening track. All right, man. So my turn, right? Yep. Mooger, you went, right? No, I haven't. All right, go, Mooger. Okay. So my notes on this are, uh, it's a tasty opening riff, a solid vocal. The bass has got an amazing tone on this, this song. And, uh, and I know George came in last minute and he might be the weakest link, but my God, his guitar tone, whoever dialed that in and he wrote some amazing solos, a great solo. And as far as a late era docking song, I really like it. Um, it, it took a minute, I think, to grow on me, but yeah, man, I give this a four out of five. Yeah, you guys are all talking shit about Mick Brown on this. Fucking, this song fucking has a killer groove. Him and Jeff Pilsen fucking killing it on this song. I love the fucking tasty riffs that George is doing. <clears throat> this is a driving song. I, I like this song. It's a good opener, and I like it a lot. But then we. Are this a. Mark, this is a driving song? Like, what are you, like, driving, like, 20 below you, the speed you that way you're fucking, fucking blinker on? Those double bass drums that Mick is doing <laughs> on this song? Heart. I'm on the inside. He's just fucking just driving that beat, dude. It's just relentless on this song, man. I think it's a good driving song. That's just my opinion, but, uh... <laughs> whatever. It's not allowed. All right, so <laughs> we get to hold my head, Mooger. I'm gonna let you go first on this one. I hold my head, man. I think it's uh, 
got a tasty riff. I'm going to get full on that saying that. Um, the harmonies, um, the vocal harmonies really fit the era, like of the mid-90s um, on the song. I think they were kind of dialing in to some of the grunge, some of the better grunge, maybe some of the better bands of the era. Um, but I think it, the song wants to be heavy, but doesn't quite get there. Um, I don't know if that's just a production value. I don't know if they were kind of taming it down. I don't know. The, the solo is um, really good. And, and if you listen to the, the guitar solo, the rhythm section under the solo changes up completely different from the song for that little period of time. And it's just so fucking cool. And, uh, you know, and honestly, Pilsen right here, he is the MVP of this track. And um, this one, I give it another four out of five. Jerry. I hear a little sitar in this song. Is that what I hear? You guys hear it, or is it just me? Yeah, it's I, I hear it. It's in the beginning. Yeah. Like, does George Harrison stop by and lay down a few tracks? Oh, you song? stole my joke. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but, you know, in all seriousness, it has this cool chunk of chunk of riffs that I like on guitar, man. Um, the double lead vocals are, you know, kicking ass. And I think I make, make credit on this one. His drums are really good sounding on this track. I love how it does that kind of a slow down, you know, with you know, open my eyes, you know, that part into another fucking great Lynch solo, man. Uh, this is another cool tune, man. It's not as good as the last one, in my opinion, but I'll give it a four out of five. All right, Eric. Uh, hole in my head. Well, it's better than uh, the extreme song, Hole in My Ass. Why? No. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah Jerry, uh, Jerry took my joke. I was like, holy shit, they get George Harrison for this? Because you hear that sitar at the beginning. <laughs> Uh, this one's really, really 60s sounding, man. Again, it's that whole period of, uh, it was that whole period of 90s where, like, everyone's kind of, like, you know, trying to do, like, a 60s sound and image and this and that. Um, this one, another one that just really didn't do much for me. Uh, it's it's not a bad song. It's just, uh, you know, it's kind of a song I'm pretty put more towards the end of the album as opposed to, like, you know, the first two songs. Uh, not bad though. I do like sitar and music. Uh, probably one of the few people that does in amongst our group. Uh, not bad song. Not bad song. Not great though. Yeah, I'll go next. Within without you sucks, Eric. Uh, no. <laughs> but I like this song. I like the sitar. There's a couple Beatles songs with sitar in it, but most of them suck. And thank you, George, for bringing that to the Beatles because you found out the Maharishi was a fraud. But uh, this song, man, whoever recorded the cymbals on this fucking album, fucking rules, I'm hearing like Mick Brown sounding like fucking uh, Stuart Copeland from the police doing that cymbal play on this fucking album. Yeah. I fucking love cymbals. And uh, yeah, I got beat up by uh, Charles Trainer saying I love cymbals. But whatever, man. If you like the police, you like cymbal play, you like Neil Peart, you like cymbal play. Oh, God. Neil Peart. I'm waiting for you to correct me on that. God dang it. You're so predictable, Jerry. Change it up. <laughs> All right, man. Don't, it, this is a great song, man. I just love it. One, two punch to start it off. Joseph. Yeah, I mean, I'll pretty much echo what a lot of other people have said already. It's very different from a lot of the rest of this with the weird the sitar and stuff. But this is one that was added when the album was re-released. So originally the album was released in Japan in 1994, kind of under the radar, and then Sony signed them in 95. They re completely remixed the album, added three more tracks, and this was one of them, and then put it out in America as dysfunctional. And so 
it, you can kind of tell this is kind of different from a lot of the other stuff they were writing from for the album itself. And I really think that it's it, it's it's okay. It's it's um it's it's different. And there's a pretty good solo here in this song as well. But other than that, I mean, I think it's it's okay. All right, man. So we get to the next track, uh, the maze. Let's start with you, Joseph. Uh, yeah. So it's a pretty decent ballad. To me, this almost sounds like them trying to copy the sound of the bands that came after them. So when Dawkins wrote a ballad in the '80s, it was a very Dawkins kind of ballad. So "Alone Again," probably one of the greatest ballads of the '80s, or something they did on the rest of their albums throughout the late '80s. This kind of sounds like them writing a ballad that Warrant would write. And I love a lot of Warren ballads. I really do. I love a lot of Warren ballads. But this does not sound like a Dawkins ballad. It sounds like them trying to write a ballad that somebody else would write. It's still a pretty decent ballad, but it doesn't sound like Dawkins to me. All right, uh, Eric, what do you think about it? The maze. Well, it's, well, the beginning starts off, and I'm like, what the fuck is this, a Jewel album? It's fucking horrible. And then, and then it turns from Jewel into like some shitty candle box. Uh, but God, it, this song blows, man. I fucking hate it. Sounds like, like Joseph said, it sounds like a warrant ballot, but not like a like a warrant ballot from the you know their heyday. It sounds like a warrant ballot from when they were trying to be a fucking grunge band in the '90s. God, those horrible fucking albums. But holy shit, this is terrible. And this is actually the first songwriting contribution from George Lynch on the album. So not really helping your case there, George. Uh, this song fucking sucks. I feel like I'm trapped in a maze trying to get out of listening to this shitty song. Holy fuck. <laughs> All right, Mooger. All right. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to be quite as brutal on this song. I said, it's, you know, my notes are it's a very Don Solo sounding song. You know, it would be like something he would do solo. It has really great harmonies and... Uh, I'm a big fan of King Zuck, so it kind of has a King Zuck's prog feel to it, in my opinion. But overall, the song is just kind of boring. Um, it it could have been a bit punk, punchier. Um, and, uh, you know, The Weak Link still did a ripping solo on the song. So I, this is the first song I'm going to give a three out of five. All right. I'll go and Jerry will go last. Uh I like the harmonizing on this song. I fucking love it. It's amazing. It's kind of like a, you know, smoke a joint, listen to this song, it might change. <laughs> fucking rules. I like it. I like the harm. It's just the harmony. And Jeff's bass on this fucking song just rules. I like the harmony, so that, that makes it a good song for me. So then, Jerry, what do you think about it? Calling this trying to be a warrant ballad is an insult to warrant. Oh. Um. <laughs> Yeah, this song is just bad, dude. I mean, it, it does have the usual docking harmonies for their sappy-ass ballads. It does have that. But then there's something missing with this song. Ballads are supposed to have catchy moments to it. And this song just lacks anything soulful or, you know, emotion. It just it just goes. It doesn't it doesn't even fucking go anywhere except for the shitter, in my opinion. Uh, even Lynch's solo to me is very underwhelming, dude. I'm, this does not do much for me, man. This is a... Two out of five, and that's very generous. Give it a two out of five. <laughs> oh, man. Do not like it. All right, then we move on to the next song, Too High to Fly, with Joseph Pick. So here it is on the Freeform Rock Podcast.
Joseph, too high to fly. All right, so first I want to apologize to any potential listeners for the last seven minutes of that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) As I mentioned, this is the first song I ever heard off this album, and as I said, they played it live when I saw them as well. I think it's a great song. Does it need to be seven minutes? Fuck no. Why would this song ever need to be seven minutes long? There's no reason for it. Other than that, I do think it's a great song. It does get repetitive, and that's, again, why I think it should not be as nearly as long as it is. But I think it's a good song that just overstays its welcome. It would have been a great four-and-a-half-minute song. Even, like, a five-minute song, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I agree with you on that. Eric, what do you think about it? Too High to Fly. This is a song, uh, the first time I ever heard it, because this is, like, kind of the hit from the album. Uh, the first time I heard this one, you know, I listened to it because the single, and I'm like, well, I want to get an idea of what the sound sounds like. Uh, I didn't really like it at first, but listening to the sound today, I, I fucking love it. I think it's an amazing fucking song. I definitely agree it's a little too long. Um, I definitely would trim this one down to about, like, you know, four minutes. Uh, but great fucking song. It, it sounds like a song that you put at the end of the credits at, like, a really great action movie. Like, it's it has, like, that Nobody Rides for Free kind of vibe by Rat, you know, Great action movie and the credits with a song like this. I think it's pretty cool, man. I love it. All right, uh, Jerry. I fucking love this song, dude. I, the length of this song don't bother me at all. I think it's a fucking great song. Um, I love the intro riff that leads into a fucking really cool rocking just riff all the way through it. <clears throat> and Jim Don's voice kind of has a little. You guys hear a little Jim Morrison in that voice? Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of that throughout this album. Yeah, I kind of I, I noticed that, and then. Uh, and I like it, dude. It fucking works. It's cool, man. And dude, man, Jeff's got that great fat bass sound that I love in this fucking song, dude. I mean, I don't know if they've ever done this song live. You guys have seen them lately, but it would have fucking ruled, I'm sure, man. I love that. I love how the song just fucking goes. I love how it ends. I love everything about it. Five out of five. Yeah, man. So, so any of you late docking viewers, have you ever done this song live? No, you know, did, uh, Eric said he saw it live, didn't you? Uh, I, I, uh, I did. I did. Yeah, they I, I, they played it live when oh, I saw them. Oh, okay, cool. I mean, I can just imagine this song kicking ass live, so... I, I can't remember specifically. I think it was pretty good. Like I said, overall, the show was not very good. But okay. I, I feel like this song was probably one of the better ones they played, honestly. Okay. The set list, when I saw them, the set list was actually really, really good. Like, they played all the stuff you'd normally expect them to play. They played the heavy stuff. They played the ballads. But overall, they just didn't... Like I said, I was... I was upset because I was supposed to be seeing three quarters of the classic lineup, and it ended up just just being Don. So, yeah. Speaking of that, um, I did see them on the Aerosmith Permanent Vacation Tour, and uh, they were horrible. The Long Beach Arena, you know, the famous Long Beach Arena. Scream for me, Long Beach. Oh fuck, Bruce Dickinson. I was gonna say, don't get Eric started on that. <laughs> don't don't do this, Mark. You're, you're gonna be outvoted. Really well, I'm just saying, you know, Rush you sound like fucking. You sound like fucking Peter Brady on that fucking album. Screw me, love. Ah, no, 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 no. Put that finger down, man. 
<laughs> All right. I didn't even think about that. About Eric going off on that. Good one, Joseph. But uh, yes, I saw them. They were horrible. But I did see them on the Erase the Slate tour at the Hollywood House of Blues, which is no amazing longer, album. Which is no longer there. Yeah, another another great album. It's a great album. But uh, Jeff Pilson was on the album, but he wasn't on the tour. Oh, that sucks. I felt so ripped off. Yeah, but I did see Jeff and Foreigner, and I did see him in that horrible docking show with uh, Back for the Attack Tour. <laughs> My mom was even disappointed. He said, what happened to Don? His voice is like, him and George is just fighting on stage, turning up their amps on each other. I was like, what the fuck? How do they get control of this shit? But, uh, fucking A. But, uh, this is a great... Oh, God. This is a great song, man. I like it. It's all bluesy. One of my all-time favorite Dawkins songs, but it doesn't need to be seven minutes long because at the end, he, Don's just like muddling. You know, you can cut all that fucking ending Indian shit, whatever you're doing at the end of the song. Hey, <laughs> I, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mark, you look like you're in a little pain there for a second. Are, are you okay? Are you, you having a stroke from all the shitty Van Hagar you listen to? <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you don't get mad if I call you bitch, do you, bitch? <laughs> All right. Jared, oh. uh, Mooger, what do you think about this? We weren't going to um, talk about it, Mark. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> well, hey, yeah, this is uh, this is one of the key tracks on the record for sure. It was the first single release, at least here in the market where I live in northeast Indiana, of the local record uh Radio stations were playing it, and I went up to my local record store and bought the uh, bought the CD. Uh, my notes on it are: it's you know, it, it's it's kind of a typical drop D slide slingy thing they were everyone was kind of doing at the time. Um, but it fucking works. I mean, it, and I'm telling you, Mick is not the weak link at, at this point when he locks in with Pilsen. And uh, when, when the drums, the guitar, the bass all, all lock in, man, this is just a killer groove. It ebbs and flows really nicely. And Don's vocals, you hear some of that classic warble in his vocal on this, you know. It, it, he still had it, you know, at this point. And it's, it's one of my favorites. I'll, I'll go back to this again and again. It did not need to be six, seven minutes long. It could have been four minutes long. Really, I just Cut. I don't I don't I, I, mean, I was fine with the like I'm mean, the only one that says I'm, that that it was okay. But at the like, end, it's just muddling. It's like no, no, but that but but the you know that you know it's okay. It, trust me, when they did it on radio, they did not do six seven minute version. No. They cut yeah, the beginning, yeah. they cut the end, and they cut like you know instead of eight bars before the vocals, they did four bars and then vocal and then. You know, they sliced it up to be a, like a three-and-a-half, four-minute single. And that was tasty. But um, well, now, but when I'm listening to the song, when I'm listening to the album, I'm just chilling with my earbuds in listening to it. I have no problem with it being six, seven minutes long. It's, I'll tell you what, it's better than like a seven-minute-long song or 14-minute-long song that has like like five minutes of soccer chants and like a three-minute acoustic fucking intro. Hey, you could cut those songs on uh, Sinjitsu, and it was, it, I like them yeah. all. Yeah. I want to cut all, like, like two hours of that fucking album out of existence. Aaron Camaro made a, uh, he cut up a version of it, and he says it's a great album if you cut off the long intros. So. Oh, God. 
<laughs> okay. Yeah. Hey, the other thing I have to say about um, dysfunctional, and I know we're, we're only four tracks in, but it's a very long album with very long songs that could have been much shorter. Mm -hmm. um, overall, there could have been some fat trimmed here and there. I mean, these songs are all. There's not a song under like four minutes on this song, on this record. So it's a, it's like four, five, six, seven minutes every song. So um, they could shorten it a little bit, but they could trim some fat off of it. But I can say that about a ton of records. So anyway, this is the first song I'm giving a five out of five. Oh wow! Sounds like you got. Sounds like you got nothing left to say. Yeah, oh, nothing left to say. And, uh, Mooger, yeah. Mooger Fooger picked that track. So here it is on the Freeform Rock Podcast. Time to set you free. 
Sorry for interrupting the podcast. I just want to take a second to thank all of you for listening. Please take a second to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Podbean. And join the Freeform Rock Podcast community on Facebook. Now, back to the show. All what's right, Mooger Fruger, you think that echo? to say? Yes, um, I believe Don Henley might have had a, uh, a yeah. writing credit on this one. Because it's just sad, sad, sad melancholy. But I love the song, man. I mean, there, it's nothing really to de- define or decipher in the song because it, it's about a breakup. And um, he's basically saying there's nothing left to say. And my God, the backing vocals. I'm thinking that's Jeff Pilson doing the, the backing vocals on this. Oh, yeah. uh, it, it sounds like him. Um and God, don't get me started on the acoustic solo on this mm-hmm. because it's basically all an acoustic song. I love acoustic solos, and I think this one rips. Uh, it, this isn't all one I give a five out of five on. I love the song. Uh, I don't like this song. I think it's boring. oh fuck you! <laughs> God damn it, Mark! Come on, easy. <laughs> Relax. It's, it's like fucking relax. Don't do it. I d- <laughs> when you want to go, you want to get to it. Okay, please Let's don't. Please don't come. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, this song is okay. I'm looking at Mark's face. I can't come right now. I, I, I think. I think it's the. Uh... Sometimes I feel like I want a nut. Okay. Let Mark oh, come. God, sometimes I feel like a nut. Sometimes I don't. Don't get me started on commercials, man. I just go off all day, uh, man. But uh, yeah, it's a cool song. It's just. It's just weird because the first four were like rocking. This one just brings it down. Uh, it, I think it's just the album track. It's okay. What do you think about it, Joseph? So everything that Jerry said about the maze, copy and paste it on this. <laughs> one of the most generic ballads I've ever heard in my freaking life. There is nothing decipherable about this song that changes it from any other acoustic ballad I've ever heard in my life. Sure, the vocals are good. Most ballad vocals are. Sure, the acoustic guitar solo is good. Most ballad acoustic guitar solos are. It is just such a generic, unremarkable ballad. It's not bad. It's not good. It's just a generic ballad. Do you have nothing left to say, Joseph? (laughs) I have nothing left to say about this song. Oh, oh, I think Eric's gonna uh, disagree with Mooger for some reason. Eric, what do you think about it? <laughs> Nothing left to say. Uh, this song is fucking beautiful, man. Beautiful, just tear jerking fucking ballad, man. And uh, I'm pretty sure that Mooger, I'm pretty sure that is Pilsen doing background vocals. This song uh, is given credit to Pilsen and Don Dockin as the writers. 
Um, and no wonder it fucking rules. You know, it's Don and Jeff Pilsen wrote the two best songwriters in fucking Dokken. Uh, and I love that acoustic solo, man. I love acoustic solos when they're done right. It's a really beautiful fucking song, man. I mean, it's really melancholy. Uh, you know, everyone's had that relationship, you know, that, that you know, you got fucked over bad, you got your heart broken, and, you know, this song can uh, relate to that pain, you know. It's a great fucking song. I, I love it, man. Eric, are you sure that you're not the one that likes Frankie Goes to Hollywood? <laughs> I swear to God, I swear to God. I, I, no, it's because Mark's passing on his shitty music over onto my DNA. This, this, this is like a straight-up, like, when it's Love Van Hagar song. Ooh, oh, no. no, come on. No, 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 no. It's not no, that bad. No, no, no. no, no, no. You know Something's what? Tell bad, me what bad. it takes to say goodbye. Come on. Oh. <laughs> This sounds more like this sounds more like uh, show me the meaning of being lonely, and they put that acoustic in there. <laughs> show me the meaning of being lonely, do do do, and they play that stupid acoustic. <laughs> so Jerry, what do you got to say about this song, man? I have to agree with Joseph on this one. This, this song is fucking weak as fuck, man. Um, the two battles so far have been fucking shit to me, and um, this is like. More than words two. Hey, 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 fuck, hey, oh. hey, that's this a great more song. Words two. Oh, fuck Reef. you, Mario. That song sucks. That song more rules. That harmony by Nudo and Gary. Come on. Oh, God, that song's gay. You guys and don't not like the Emily Brothers in. More than words two meets air supply. And it's kind of an insult to air supply, actually. I hate air supply. <laughs> it's just, so it's just a weird air tune, supply man. you want. I, I, I get the melancholiness if I do, but man, these horrible synthesizers are just terrible throughout this song, man. This, this, the acoustic solo is okay, and I'm good with that, but all in all, dude, this song just, man, just doesn't do it for me either. I'll give it a two out of five just for the solo. So, Jerry, you're all out of love? Uh, I, can't, <laughs> I can't live without I'm so you. so lost without you. <laughs> I'm lying alone with my head on the phone. I'd rather listen. I'd rather listen to the Little River Band, honestly. Thank you, thank you. I hate air supply. You are a lonesome loser, Joseph. Oh man, I fucking listened to the Little River Band a million times before fucking. Only Joseph Style would have that CD ready for any moment, like in case a joke came up. I just bought it at the record store today. Oh shit! No, you didn't. Oh, Joseph. Joseph knew that he was going to be on his Got the receipt right here. <laughs> Joseph saw that CD at the store. He's like, I'm probably going to need this. Let me get it. <laughs> Joseph, like, he pulls out shit, man. He's the man. But uh, fucking, let's get to the next track. Uh, Eric, he picked Shadows of Life. So here it is on the Freeform Rock Podcast. <laughs> Bye. 
All right, Eric, man. Shadows of Life. Man, this song fucking kicks ass. This, uh, I definitely say if you're more of a fan of uh, yeah, <laughs> Little River Band. Uh, fucking, if you're a fan of uh, Dokken, like from the 80s, like the, the first four albums, this song would probably be more your speed. This is probably the best song to start with to get into this album because it's probably the most 80s sounding. Uh, I love the stupid little, even though I hate the song Thunderstruck, I love like their like <laughs> Thunderstruck hum. Uh, I, I love that. They, they pull it off on this song. Uh, and God damn, man, Don Dokken with the fucking vocal melodies, man, just fucking killing it. Like, that's God, there's so many songs, even like the bad songs, the biggest, like, bright spot is like, man, those vocal melodies that Don and Pilsen do, you know, it's just amazing. Uh, best song on the fucking album, well, obviously you just heard it, unless you skip through it because you're like me and you don't want to hear the damn songs in the middle of the podcast, but it's a great fucking song, go listen to it after this episode. Joseph, what do you think about it? Oh, uh, yeah, I, I actually I was surprised that, um, um, is this the one I was thinking of? Yeah, so this is, I'm surprised that Eric said that this is, this is the most 80s sounding one. This is like such a 90s sounding song to me. Mm. It sounds really 90s. And I really, it's a great intro riff on this song, and I really, really like this song. It's a probably the most of the time sounding song at this point on the album for me, but I really, really enjoy it. Interesting. It has a little, like, Pantera kind of, like, guitaring on there. Uh, Production-wise, the production, yeah. but I mean, like, you throw this in with like under lock and key production or back free attack production. I mean, it it'd be like you know like the style song they write back then in the eighties. Cool man. So we get to you, Mooger. Um, yeah, uh, it it's gonna have a very cool opening to it. I think the song very solid. It's once again. I'm sorry. It's got. An, I'm not sorry. It's got an amazing solo. I love those, like, those background vocals. I mean, they're a little cheesy, a little corny, but god damn, they work in this song. And, you know, I had to give it a couple of listens through, but man, I'm giving it a 4.5 out of 5. I like this song. Nice. Well, I'm just going to go, man. Doesn't he sound like Zach Wilde on this song? It's like doing those, <laughs> those things on here. It's like... <laughs> He's like doing those little things that uh, Zach does. I'll take Zach over Lynch, man. They're called pinch harmonics. Pinch, yeah, pinch yes, harmonics. I'm not a guitar yeah. player, so that's cool. I'm just saying I hear Zach Wilde in this song, and I'm going, this is a cool song. It's a cool driving riff. I like it. It's got some little Sabbath riffage on here. You know, like they bring it down here and there. It's a cool <laughs> song. I like it, man. I have no qualms about it. What about you, Jerry? Oh, but here we fucking go, dude. We're fucking back on track here. Man. This song's fucking heavy as fuck. Definitely need more of this on this album, man. I even love the, the the spoken word over the weird... What the hell is that? What? Hello? Hello? Yep. We're here? Okay. Somebody was moving something or something. I don't know what that was. That wasn't me. But anyway, I love that spoken word over that weird humming. I think it works, man. It's a uh, pretty cool sound to me. And George... It's fucking on fire on this uh, tune, man. It's probably his best work on the album. And I was surprised he doesn't have any writing credits on this song because it sounds like a Lynch fucking written tune. Um, this is definitely a much-needed gut punch after a few shitty ballads. This is a five out of five, man. I like this song. All right, Mooger. All right, what do you want, buddy? All right. We got everybody on this song? Good. That's what I thought. 
All right, we get to the next song, uh, Shadows of No, Long Way Home. Joseph. Yeah, so this one has a great intro riff. It's a really, really cool track. It's actually one of my favorites so far on the album. Lynch has a scorching guitar solo on this one. It's a really great heavy track, and I really, really love this one. All right, uh, Eric. Long Way Home. Uh, it's funny, too, is this actually, they would name an album Long Way Home. Is that one of the... The fucking teenage girl with the angel wings looks like a drug heroin act or some shit. Because uh, she got Beanie on, so that's the universal sign in the 90s that you're a crackhead. I think John, um, I think John Norum was on that album. I think so. Yeah. Uh, Dokken does that a lot. They, they'll take like a song title. They'll name an album after a song title that was released on a totally different album. It's weird. Like the new album. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they've done that so many fucking times. Back for the Attack. Fucking, uh yeah, it's yeah. it's funny how they do that. But uh, it begins with, like, a, a Mr. Scary rip-off riff. You know, it's like, George, George at this point, is stealing his own material. Uh, and, uh, man, this I hate this song, man. It sounds like shitty Lynch Mob, and I'm not a big fan of Lynch Mob, man. I mean, they got a couple good songs here and there, but, man, I can't listen to entire Lynch Mob albums. I mean, that shit's just terrible. Uh, you know, but thank God it's uh, Don Dawkins singing this and not fucking Oni Logan uh, Don saves the song. Can you imagine Oni Logan singing this shit? Woo! That'd be bad. I like Oni's voice, man. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Mark, God. you like Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Oh, whatever. <laughs> you like Relax. Don't do it, Eric. Uh, so, Peter, what do you think of this one? Um, once again, yeah, I mean, to, uh, to reflect, uh, Eric's comment, it, it's definitely a Mr. Scary opening. I mean, it, it has that exact, almost the exact same riff. Um, being a, a guitar player, I kind of recognize, I was like, oh my God, what are you doing? You know, you brought the entire riff over. But, um, again, whoever's doing the background vocals on this, and I'm going to assume it's Dokken and Lynch, um, or, I mean, Pilsen and Dokken, um, yeah, uh, uh, on the background vocals, they're doing great. The solo's amazing. I like this one. I mean, it's not the best track on the record, but I give it a 3 out of 5. All right. Like, I'm going to piggyback off of you. I'm going to let Jerry go last. Man, like, this is Mr. Scary a little slight slower in the riff. Uh, I hear that, too. And you get Pilsen with some killer background vocals. Loving this. They should have done... This is like uh, Sambora with Bon Jovi, man. I like this. This is fucking ear candy to me. I like this song. Jerry? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you guys about the Mr. Scary comments. It does have a little you know, resemblance to that. Maybe it's, it's an okay rocking tune, man. It has its moments. Um, great harmonies, and uh, there's. This, I love the acoustic and electric playing in this song, man. It's... Uh, Really cool. I don't know what kind of effects he uses on this acoustic guitar, but I think it sounds amazing. Um, the solo isn't isn't it like an oh wow solo, but it, it's okay. It's a decent song, man. That rocks, man. I give it a three out of five. It's not horrible. It's not great. All right, we get to the next song, "Sweet Chains." We'll start with you, Jerry. Okay, and this actually works, man. Dude, Jeff Tilson playing the fretless bass, man. Oh, it sounds fucking amazing on this one, dude. Uh, the acoustic plan works with the accompanying riffs, man. Great vocals. Um, and like I, I said earlier about Jeff's bass sound is amazing. And the synths don't actually drive me crazy on this one like it did on uh, Nothing Left to Say, man. Um, I don't know if you guys would call this a ballad or not. Would you call it a ballad? Or a, 
slow tempo, maybe type slow of easy tempo. tempo. Slow okay, because that's probably why I like it then, but uh, <laughs> it's not valid. Yeah, I mean, it's a good song, dude. I, I, I really enjoy this one, man. This is a four out of five for me, man. All right, Shane, uh, Mooger, I mean, what do you think about it? Um, <clears throat> the guitar tone is really nice on the song. Um, it's an easy listen. It's got nice percussion if you listen to it in the background. With the, it's, to your point, Mark, the, the the production on this record is very clear. I think everything has its space, so I can hear the background percussion. I can hear the acoustic and the electric and the vocal. Um, I thought it, it, it could it could have used to pick up at some point, but it just fails to. Um, overall, man, it's a, it's a nice listen. It's a smooth tune, and I'll, I'll give it a three out of five on this one. All right, Joseph. So I'll describe my experience listening to this track. So turn it on, very kind of Dream Warriors intro. You kind of get that, the the, the weird the noises and the, the, the acoustic, um, and then it gets into the track. I'm like, okay, I'm really liking what I'm hearing so far. I'm ready for it to really kick in. I'm ready for it to really kick in and go to the next level. And then it just doesn't. <laughs> Who the fuck is peeing? Who the fuck is peeing? Who is peeing right now? Jerry, use your back bike when you go I'm peeing. I'm not fucking peeing, dude. I'm dunking out the water in my dehumidifier, man. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. Just take a piss all over Joseph's fucking commentary, Jerry. All right. I'll start over. No. Um, but no, so I'm listening to the track, and I'm really liking what I'm hearing. Everything that everyone said so far with Jerry was saying, like, kind of the atmosphere and the acoustic and the fretless bass. I love the way it's sounding. And I'm just waiting for it to really kick in, and it just never really does. Like, I'm waiting for it to, like, heavy riff kind of drums to come in on it, and I'm just waiting for the build-up. And there's a great guitar solo in the middle of it, a great electric guitar solo in the middle of it, but it never really kicks into that next level. And I think that I like the song for what it is, but I feel like it could have been better if they kicked it up a little bit, like about halfway through kicked it into an, a, like another gear. And I, it never really does that for me. Yeah, I agree with you on that, man. This song is like atmospheric, but that lyric is uh, all the king's horses, all the king's men is like so overused in rock and roll. I think they should just like take that shit out. But it's a, it's a good song, and the lead is fucking ear candy. I think it's just an album track to me. But uh, then we get to Jerry. Oh, I had to talk Jared. about. Oh, yeah. Uh, fucking uh, yeah, sweet chains. Um, so uh, wait, is Jerry done taking a piss? <laughs> <laughs> I've been here. I've been here. I've been my team. <laughs> but uh, sweet chains, man. Uh, more sitar, and I and I love it, man. I love uh. I love the sitar in here. Um, it's real trippy sounding. Kind of reminds me of like uh, a little bit like the Doors or like you know like Jim Morrison. You know, it's really fucking great. Great foreplay song. You know, for all you guys listening, want to you know, sexually satisfy your woman. Uh, but yeah, uh, you, know, you know what? Maybe if Iron Maiden adds some sitar to their fucking, oh, set, maybe I like it a little bit better. I mean, can you imagine if Iron Maiden did an album and that was the theme was sitar and you'd have Indian Eddie, it'd be Eddie working at 7-Eleven on the cover? Oh, <laughs> oh that's bad. Oh, my. Hey, that's exactly hey, what, that's we exactly don't what care. Empire we, the crowd love... needed was sitar. Hey, I love Oh, that man, this is, a, this is just unnecessary abuse, man. <laughs> rules. 
Mark Dolly, we love you, man. <laughs> see, but, see, here, here's why I'm smart, though, than, than a lot of people. There we go. Those are the few main noms that matter. No. I see a lot of people. I see these posts where they're just bashing fucking Bruce Aaron Maiden. And I'm like, I'm not going to say anything because I'm not fucking stupid and I don't want my asshole reams, so I don't say anything. <laughs> That's called being smart, man. I love these <laughs> albums, too. I love these albums. I like Power Slave. I love Power Slave. Give me, Slave. give me virtual X. Give me, oh, give me some Blaze, man. Oh god, you can have it. <laughs> Blaze is horrible, dude. Watch, oh, Black, no, no, no. watch songs. Were, watch dude, Black Spinner Circle with uh, songs, Joseph talking about nah, dude, the I'm songs. Are, the songs are good. It's just his voice. I get it. No, the they're Bruce not good. Singing, no, I disagree with you. No, oh, dude. no, they're not. I have to. I have personally witnessed Iron Maiden playing multiple songs from I, I these albums. Like the and man, they it's boring. <laughs> the Clansman you know, is boring. You know what's fucked up? You know what's fucked up? They had a picture. They had a picture. They had a picture. Of, had a picture of I hate them playing oh, like Blood Brothers too. Blood Brothers sucks. They, they Stop picture. playing Blood Brothers. No wonder Steve Harris's dad died. He wrote that shitty song for him. <laughs> You know that you know they had a picture of Blaze like in an Iron Maiden costume. He was like way on the fucking top. They wouldn't even let him fucking sit backstage or anything. That's kind of fucked up. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm just saying that Blood Brothers. Uh, Maiden rules. Take, take Clansman and Blood Brothers out of your set. Put some. You know what? Like, you like Frankie Goes to Hollywood and stuff. Like, you, like <laughs> you like Blood Brothers. I do. Oh God, I'm sorry. <laughs> For what? For liking that song. <laughs> See, I know my place. I'm not going to go like on the RMCP podcast and say, oh, I love fucking Blaze Bailey. So I'm going to get my ass reamed. You know what I mean? Well, you, should do, you should do that in our group. They'll, they'll tell them. I'll still get reamed on that one probably too. Who cares? I ream you all the time on that. <laughs> Enjoy it, man. Enjoy your... Well, like I said, he, your Frankie goes to Hollywood and Dream Durant shit. Fucking, you need to get room to talk. <laughs> you forgot about Oingo Boingo, bitch. Oh, fuck them, too. <laughs> Child fucking predator, man. Oh, fuck off. Know. Nothing's happened with him. All right, let's get to the next well, Yeah, where are we anyway? Where the fuck are we? Lesser, where the fuck are we? Lesser of two evils, man. I'm going to start with you, Shane. Mooger. <sighs> Who's Shane? Um, I mean Mooger. Yeah, who the fuck's the Shane guy you keep talking about? Yeah, you should change your thing on Mooger so it's easier for me when I get oh, it. Right. Hey, hey, yeah, no. <laughs> um, I think it's a decent song. Um, the, all, like I said, I, I'll get tired of saying this, but the tone and the guitar and the bass are just amazing. Vocals are great. But overall, this feels like a late-end track you know it's like an album track second side deep buried you know it's nothing you're going to go back to to listen to twice it's okay um but i give it a two out of five what do you think about it jerry yeah i mean it's just like the last song it's just an okay song man it's uh you know it's, it's a little bit maybe a tad bit of the filler but nothing more than that um and nothing really you know special about it it's got all the you know, the docking things in it, I guess, but it just doesn't, you know, I don't know, work for me either. Um, it's got this kind of cool little slow breakdown around the three-minute mark I kind of like. But, uh, yeah, other than that, it's pretty unremarkable, man. Two out of five. Yeah, I agree with you, man. This song is like they're trying to update the docking sound on this song. And, uh, no, we want the old docking sounds. Uh, this song is filler. So then we get to you, Eric. Filler? 
This song, you think the song's filler? Like what the? I said fuck? above filler, above filler. No, no, above. I'm talking about. I'm talking about Mark. Mark said oh. it was fucking filler. Filler, <laughs> like filling up your ass with fucking Frankie Goes to Hollywood songs. God damn! <laughs> I'm never gonna live that down. God damn! I think Lesser Two Evils is a great fucking song, man. Uh, the guitar at the beginning, like the little intro guitar part, is very interesting because it's very different sounding from what George Lynch usually does. Like it's really outside of his like usual like something that he would do. But then the you know the regular riff kicks kicks in for the verses and it sounds like a traditional Lynch riff. Uh, but man, I mean, just fucking amazing vocal melodies in the chorus, man. That's what really sells me on this song. It's my second favorite song on the album, man. This was almost my pick from the album, but then, like, the more I listened and listened, uh, I just, I had to go with Shadows of Life. But this song fucking rules, man. Another great song. Love it. All right, so I get to mine, and we'll let Joseph go last. Uh, this is the best sounded production-wise for a Dawkins album to me. Mix sounding the greatest on here as he sounded on the other albums song this song is fucking great man it just sounds like they're ready to explode yeah i like this song what do you think about it joseph uh yeah no i i think this is a very very generic rock song uh, um it's good it's a good rock song but it's very just generic average. and i think it's a very yeah it's very average and i I don't know what you're listening to as far as production, Mark. I think the production is very just generic 90s rock production on this album. Um, a little bit too try-hard 90s rock in some places. I agree with um, that. But I'll definitely take the production of, of some of their 80s stuff over this. Alright, man. So then we get to the next track, What Price? Which I picked on the Freeform Rock Podcast.
Price, man this i like this song this is like thrash metal fucking uh docking just like kicking that fucking double bass that mick is doing i just think it fucking rules what do you think about it joseph i have a cd in my hand that i'm gonna hold up and when you see the cover of this cd all of you are never gonna be able to hear this song the same way ever again <laughs> slave to the grind <laughs> This is a complete ripoff of Slave to the Grind. Musically, just completely ripped off Slave now to the I Grind. Now I hear it. Now I hear oh, it. Oh, shit. God damn. Yeah. It is literally, basically, they said, okay, well, Tooth and Nail was a really kind of heavy, fast song. And then they heard Slave to the Grind, and they said, let's try to combine those together. And God, this song is a freaking mess. This song just sounds so all over the place. The riff is great. I think when it when it gets going, it's really good. And it, but like I said, it's a complete rip off of, rip off of Slave to the Grind. Yeah, now but I hear it. Thanks. Yeah, ju- it's it just oh. it's it's a generic it's a generic rock kind of Slave to the Grind riff that just when they put it all together, it just sounds like a mess. I want to take this one next. Yeah, go for it. Uh, so, so the song kicks off, and I'm like, what the fuck are these children running around for in a docking Go, Go home, children. Yeah. Go to fucking bed. Oh, also, then, let me say yeah, quick. Yeah. The lyrics are awful. Oh, the lyrics, lyrics on this song are, the lyrics atrocious. are atrocious. I'm yeah. just going by the double bass drum. I thought it sounded cool. You guys picked all the, <laughs> good, you besides... guys picked all the great songs on here, so what did I have left? Thank you. But, yeah. but uh, other than that, though, I mean, musically, man, that song fucking kicks ass. I, I think it has, like, the, I call it a hot for teacher shuffle yeah. kind of sound. It's, like, really chaotic and everything. And Pilsen's laying down some nasty fucking bass work, man. I mean, that's... Yeah. I, I love me some Jeff Pilsen, man. Uh, the one thing I wanted to point out, I'm surprised you guys didn't point out, after the end of this song, I was thinking Flaming Telepaths was... Flaming Telepaths by BOC was about to begin. That It literally sounds like they t- ripped that from fucking yeah. Flaming Telepaths. It does. Speaking of, 
Yeah. Yes. You know, I think yeah. Joseph might be better than Andy at finding the right CD at the right time. He does. But... He just like, oh, right here, boom. Well, right I had here. this out because I was, I got it in the mail yesterday. So oh, no, he sh- he that's so out. convenient, man. Like all this shit you got, like fit perfectly with this episode. <laughs> I love when life just works. He's one it also step, could be that I just have. A, he's one step ahead of us, man. It also he could is. be just I just have too much shit laying around. <laughs> that could also be it. All right, Jerry. Oh man, I fucking I, I love this song, dude. This is fucking fast, furious, ferocious, fantastic, fucking a, dude. Um, I love the structure of the song. It's fucking docking, getting nasty, man. I, I I love it, man. I think it's one of the best songs on the album. And fucking Jeff is ripping, man. The bass in this song. You guys mentioned that. Holy shit, dude. You know, I love it. This is a five out of five for me, man. I, yeah, this is I, a great. I loved tune. it till he told me it was slave to the grind, and I'm going. I don't hear that. I hear a little bit of it. I do I, hear that mixed with tooth and nail. Joseph hit it right on the fucking nail. Head on the nail there, man. But uh, Mooger, what do you think of it? Okay. I appreciate your opinion uh, there, Joseph. But Slave to the Grind never slowed down. Slave to the Grind opens up and it is fucking balls to the wall, front to back. And the bass playing follows the goddamn guitar and the guitars follow the goddamn bass. And it's, it, it's a very muddy mess. I love that song. It's one of my favorite Skid Row songs, by the way. Now, what Price has got superior musicianship compared to that song, by the way. And it also has ebb and flow. Um, it has a, a nice little drum fill. So there you go, Mark. There's my uh, ode to Mick. I think he's uh, amazing on the sound. But yeah, oh, yeah. And, and, and when he kicks yeah. into his double bass, it's way more cohesive. Oh, yeah. And the bass playing is way more sophisticated and slinky and syncopated than anything Slave to the Ground has to offer. But there is a similarity, absolutely. No, no, no. is a pretty fucking good bass. With, without question. But the guitar work is amazing. The production is amazing. I love how it, it kind of starts off. And then it kind of goes trippy, and then it goes heavy, and then it goes a little trippy again, then it goes heavy again. I love the ebb and flow of the song, man. This is a four out of five to me. Damn. Let me take the next song first. All right, you take the next song, man. From the beginning. Yeah, I've always wanted, I know this is an Emerson Lake and Palmer song. I know that first of all, okay? But I always wanted to add special effects to the show. I'm going to see if you guys hear this special effect right here. Oh, oh, that's like a big turndown's being flushed down there too. Hey, we need to get roadcasters so we could do that on the show, Jerry. Why the fuck did they end with this fucking piece of shit? Not fucking one the good die young. Seriously, what a fucking weak cover this is, dude. Nothing good about it whatsoever. Anticlimactic as fuck. Probably one of the worst endings to a fucking rock and metal I've ever heard in my life. Terrible, man. I don't even want to rate this piece of shit. It sucks. I'll go next because I'm going to piggyback off of that. Yeah. Why wasn't When the Good Die Young the ending track of this? It's an original track. Why didn't you have to put a cover of a weak Emerson, Lake, and Palmer song on here anyways? I don't like that band, so that's why I say it's weak. I like Lucky Man. I think that's it. This song fucking is fucking horrible in a good album like this. But uh, Eric, what do you think about it? Uh, this, uh, you know, so the last time I said, like, oh, I'm, th- I'm thinking, like, Flaming Telepaths is about to play. But no, I'm saying, yeah, she, Emerson, Lake, and fucking Palmer's song. <laughs> this shit fucking sucks. 
this is so bad. And uh, I was like, man, this song sucks. And I looked and uh, I looked on Wikipedia and I found it was an Emerson, Lake, and Palmer song. So, hey, can't really blame anyone for that because they didn't write this shit. Emerson, Lake, and fucking Palmer did. Fuck that band. This song sucks. Yeah, from the beginning. I want to just go back to the beginning of the album instead of listening to this shit. <laughs> what do you think about it, Joseph? Fuck y'all, I think it's a good cover. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, oh, first of all, I love Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Second of all, I love their version of this song. Third off, I think it's a pretty good cover. Fourth, fuck this being the way to end the album. <laughs> yeah. That's my it biggest problem. not have been the ending of the album. And I think overall, it points out a really, really glaring problem with this album for me. This album, in my opinion, has no idea what it wants to be. No clue. There's songs, there's random generic ballads, there's random 90s sounding rock songs, there's random so uh, songs that kind of sound like classic Dokken, and all of it's just kind of hodgepodged into, in together. The track listing makes no real sense. They, it doesn't kind of build up any kind of momentum on the track listing at all. And you can really tell that this album was released and then re-released. Because this is one of the songs that they added when they re-released it. In the original Japanese version, there were three songs that were not on this album. And it was um, Hole in My Head, this song, and then the bonus track were not even recorded when the original album came out. And you can tell that they just threw tracks on the album. And it just makes no sense whatsoever. All right, uh, Mooger Fugger. Agree wholeheartedly with Joseph that the album's kind of lost. It doesn't have a direction because you got to think of where everything was in this period for the quote-unquote hair bands. Where do we go? Do we put heavy songs on? Do we put generic ballads on? Do we put, you know, where are we going with everything? And that was my initial feeling from the first time I ever picked up the record is that man, this is going in a million different directions, you know? I mean, but so was I at the time. I was I was discovering all sorts of new music at this time. And Berwick is kind of my anchor to the 80s. As far as this song is considered, I don't even know Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. I probably couldn't mention any of their you songs. Lucky so, Man? Oh, what no, I probably do, dude, but I probably didn't know it was Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. I like Palmer. Emerson, Lake, and Powell better. Touch and go. I don't, there. I don't know. As far as the song goes, I think it's a a great easy listen. As far as the guitar player that I am, I think it's a great guitar um, tone and, and feel. I think Don's vocal fits it perfectly. I think maybe they were going for like "Walk Away" was the final track on the live album, "Beast from the East." Okay, and that's one of my all-time favorite Dawkins songs. That is a great song. Maybe they were trying to recreate that with doing another acoustic song at the end of a record. I don't know. That's just my oh, idea. Oh, that's the case. They failed miserably. It did. It did, Jerry. Um, it, I do like the song, but it should not have ended this record. It, it should have been only the good die young. I mean, yeah, I, that's, that's what, when that's the good die song. young, not the it's Billy the Joel song. Yeah. <laughs> I I know because I thought of that too. Only the good die young because I'm a huge Billy Joel fan. So yeah, I, there you go. Yeah, yeah but it's yeah. when the good die young. But uh, when the good die young. When yes, the good that die it, young. that should have that should have ended the record. 
um, this is kind of just like <laughs> a limp dick way to end a record. I mean, it it just shouldn't have ended like this. But overall, I, I still give this this song on its own, standalone. If it would have just been released as a single or somewhere else or on a movie soundtrack, I'd still give it a three out of five because I think it's really well done. These vocals are great on it. It's just like, what the fuck is this? Well, yeah. the bass and the acoustic work so well in the song. I it mean, is. It's so good. But it's so and good. I do not know Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. I don't, I'm not a fanboy. I probably have heard many of their songs. But... I heard Brain Salad Surgery and I wanted to fucking shoot myself. <laughs> One of the greatest that. albums ever recorded. Yeah, you know, I'm dumb. I like Extreme, right? <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Porno graffiti, baby. Yeah, baby. <laughs> All right. See, that's, what, that's what I'm, I'm going to miss about Charles is because me and Charles were a team. Now I'm the one that's going to get outnumbered now with musical taste, man. No. You guys no, like no, funk no, out. No, no. Mooger, Mooger agreed with you on Ash Jack. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mooger's surprising. He, he has some. He doesn't go with me on some taste. There's a lot of shit I don't like Mooger likes. You know, so we're cool. Mark, there's uh, there's a surprising amount that you like that I like. Oh, God. When you were going off on your 80s rant there, I was like, yep, check, oh. check, check, <laughs> check. Fuck <laughs> poison, too. I love Duran Duran. I love Culture Club. I love all Ooh, these. Oh, I don't like, like Culture Club. See, we don't agree on really? that. Really? You don't like really Culture Clubs where you draw the line? I, I, <laughs> they, scared, they scared me as a kid. I go, who you is like this Pete guy? Burns. Pete what Burns. What is this, man? Pete Burns. Is, well, I got, because Culture Club got me like used Mark, to Pete Mark, Burns. Mark, why did they scare you? Was, yeah, why was did they George too you? gay for you? <laughs> No, yeah. I love gay people. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come oh, on. It, 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 was, it was his colored hair. Mark just couldn't handle it. <laughs> I didn't know what he was. I didn't like I didn't like Cindy Lauper either. I love Cindy Lauper. Oh, you see? And back That's to our... colored hair. <laughs> you just hate colored hey. hair, Mark. I like some colored hair. I don't. I forgot what band. Blondie has some colored hair, didn't she? She's blonde, damn it. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Literally in the band name. Literally. <laughs> hey, but she bleached it. She was actually a brunette. Why did you guys call yourself Blondie? I can see the interview now. Hmm, I don't know why. Why do we call yourself? <laughs> uh, we need to review a Blondie album, man. I love Blondie. But then uh, we get to uh, the Japanese bonus track, When the Good Die Young. Joseph, you brought this up. That was a great brought up because it kind of like, we could take the shit out of the song before, but why, Joseph? Uh, yeah, no, I can definitely see why this was not included on the official album. I think this song is cheesy as fuck. Oh. It is a generic rock song with a really cheesy chorus that I can't stand. So I can definitely see why this wasn't included on the on the American release of the album. Over the last one, though? Come on, oh, Joe. Really? He likes the no, last one. Not over the last <laughs> Did you one. listen I mean, to him? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you think that this would end this album better than that one, though? Come on. Seriously. It would end it better, but that's that's like... I get what you're saying. It's not organized properly. That's like that. saying 5150 is better than OU812. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can't, can't compare it. Is. I get that. It, it is. It is, yeah. I see you trying to. I see you trying to hide that vinyl back there. I see it. Yeah. <laughs> I did it for for you guys complaining about it. You want me to take Tom Petty down? 
Take a minute. Take it out. Even 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 move the vinyl. Move the vinyl. Fuck and Kirk are looking at that album and saying, "What the fuck, dude? Come on, man, get rid of it." Of all the fucking Van Halen albums you could have on your chair for the world to see, it's that shitty one. There you go. How about Rush R40? There you go. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I still right, see man. too much of it. I still see too much of it. I got yeah. that. I got, the, Van Halen. I got the vinyl box there. there. Van Joseph's Halen. Joseph got it. I, I got that's the, real Van Halen. I got the right next to the Bono book. It's fucking Van Halen. Oh, the fucking Bono right behind book. the Bono book? Are you serious? That's a disgrace. Hey, Bob Hayes said it. Mark, Bob you're digging Hayes. yourself a bigger hole. <laughs> can I? Can I? Can I say something? I love Bono. No. And you know, I didn't buy. Him. I wouldn't have bought it. I wouldn't have bought it. But Bob Hay gave it to me. Fuck Bono, he forced his fucking music into my goddamn iTunes library. <laughs> uh, that delete it if you don't want it. <laughs> right? They made it you couldn't. No, they literally couldn't. You couldn't. They made it impossible. They had to have tutorials on YouTube. Exactly. You literally couldn't delete the yeah, album. You couldn't. That, that, I think it was a fucking Drake album or some shit like that. Yeah, yeah that, that, Drake was, that, was, that was worse than COVID, man. Holy shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> I liked it. But okay, man. We know you did. What do you think of the Japanese bonus track, man? Uh, I hated it, man. It was like, it sounded like shitty lynch mob just with Don singing, but Don couldn't even save this shit. (laughs) Literally, it sounds like shitty lynch mob. It's just like, it's horrible. (laughs) I hated it, man. One of the good, anytime a band that's not, you know, Billy Joel tries to write a song about the good dying young, it sucks. I'm talking about you, Iron Maiden. Oh, God, I love that song. That song sucks. <laughs> hey, hey, the Scorpions wrote a pretty good song called Good Dio. Yeah, they did. Oh, yeah, I'll give them that, yeah. All right, let's go to you, Joseph. You... <laughs> oh, Mark, I already talked about oh, this shit. Oh, it it's Jerry's turn. Jerry. Calm down with the pen. Jerry, go ahead. I mean, the song is okay, and it just blows away that fucking cheesy Emerson making Palmer song. If you compare the two, <laughs> holy shit, it blows it away, man. But I agree with you, man. It's it's not like a you know great tune. It's got like bottom of the line eighties meets fucking medium nineties. I don't know. It's weird. I, I agree with you guys on that one. But I would so much fucking love them. This song, the fucking shitty from the beginning. Um, I give it a. 2.5 out of 5. I get the whole album a 3 out of 5, man. Uh, it's got a, a good... It's got so many good parts. It's got a few eh parts and a lot of shitty parts. It's, it's got it's got a kind of an all of it. It's, it's got a mix of everything. <laughs> and one thing, one thing I've learned, man, Jerry, and from this episode, Jerry hates Emerson Lake, pa- Emerson Lake and Parr more than he hates women that don't give blowjobs. <laughs> oh, God, hey, I agree man. with you. I hate Emerson Lake and Palmer. I had to listen to brain salad surgery. God damn. Hey, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer was on Mark's list of overrated bands. It was. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're, you know, if you guys like them, man, enjoy Enjoy They're not trendy because they are, they can play because I love Carl Palmer in Asia. <laughs> and yes, so there you go. No, no, trust me, it's not trendy at all. A lot of people hate Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. So, uh, who's next on this track? Japanese bonus. Who hasn't said anything? Mooger. 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 Uh, okay. Alana Miles called. She wants her song back. (laughs) Yeah, so this is like Black Velvet, shittier version of anything. Of course you do. It's 
Like oh, I, 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 I love it. Black Velvet. Ooh, uh, the, the Black Velvet's a great song. This is a shittier version of it. <sighs> and uh, a lot of Miles is way hotter than Don. Um, <laughs> so, anyway, this this song is so forgettable. It is definitely a bonus track that they didn't even see fit to put on a record, and they thought, well, we'll just slap it on the Japanese bonus, whatever, you know, remix it a little bit. Um, I won't even rate this song. It, it's just so forgettable. I mean, other than reminding me of the great song that is Black Belt. So. Yeah, yeah, Mark, Mark, you love when Frankie says relax, but you hate when Alana in that hot white shirt sings Black Velvet, so. <laughs> yeah, what the hell's wrong? <laughs> Your priorities are all wrong. Wrong. It's, it's like, like I, like, I want to hear, I want to hear, she has a good voice, it was just, the song was just too generic for me. It's like, a very generic hear, song, but it's it an is. amazing song. I was too busy looking at her. Huh? <laughs> well, I'm yeah, too busy looking like at De- her. You guys like Debbie Gibson and Tiffany, so... No, not not like a lot of miles. Oh. Like, I know Jerry Debbie, likes Debbie, any woman Debbie who makes Gibson. music. Debbie Gibson is better looking now than when she was young. I, I think Tiffany's better looking. She had a boot. I haven't body. seen her in a while. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I'll see myself out. All right, Good man. Night. So we get. I get to my final uh, synopsis on this track. Uh, it sucks. I don't like it. But it would have been better than fucking <laughs> from the beginning. God damn. I give this album 6 out of 12 bong rips, including the bonus, tr- bonus track. It's it's an album you should listen to, but it's not an album you'll go back to a lot. So, that's what I think about it. And then we get to uh, final thoughts on this album, Joseph. Yeah, kind of similar to what you guys have already said, both Mark and Jerry, about the album. It's definitely an album that you should listen to, if you, especially if you're a Dawkins fan. I, I, if you're not a Dawkins fan, this album's not going to change your mind, um, because it's barely a Dawkins album. Um, it was really doesn't sound like a Dawkins album. I think if you want to look at a later day Dawkins album that is much better, look at Erase the Slate. Um, I love that one. Definitely a much better album than this. A much more cohesive album than this. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's it, it's good. It has some great songs. It has some awful songs. But like I said, it just—it doesn't seem like it knows what it wants to be, and I, that's a slight on a lot of albums in the '90s from '80s bands, in my opinion. Um, there's a lot of t- a lot of albums that there was bands that they just didn't know what they wanted to be I at think that they point. Were confused. They didn't know what where the music industry was going at that time. So. Well, I mean, a lot of '80s bands were. I mean, yeah. you look at you look at something like you look at Kiss Revenge, and there's really sounds like unholy and then there's take it off and <laughs> yeah it's it, that's it, the biggest of, what the fuck in uh in music history oh yeah unholy yeah. to take it off like what the fuck just like happened? track one no, track you have two. you have unholy and you have everything else on that record yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah 100 on that page i still like you that have, album. you have so many bands that as the 90s started they didn't really know how to respond to the changing in the music industry and clearly this album kind of shows that Dawkins was on that path. And then you look at something like Erase the Slate, where they were really kind of back on track making the music they wanted to make. Yeah. And and I think that album works a lot better than this one does. Well, it's like, like in Re- Kiss Revenge. Who are they getting revenge on? The fucking fans? 
<laughs> well, it's I like, mean, they've been, they've been getting revenge on the fans since the 70s. So. <laughs> yeah, for real. It's like yeah. Europe, how they were like forced to do Final Countdown with all those keyboards, and then they came back. How did Europe No, here, but man. they came back in 2004. That's always his example. That's always his example. <laughs> it is, oh my god, Europe's they, this great band that screwed. made a really shitty song. Dude, no, those Europe first two sucks. albums, we yeah, Tomorrow say, and Europe yeah, I, were like yeah. way different than yeah, I was Final gonna say Countdown. I agree with you. Pre pre Final Countdown Europe isn't that bad. No, I'll give you that. And then two thousand four Europe up is is like pre Final Countdown. Yeah, you know, the Final Countdown was too much of a fucking anchor for me. That album fucking blew. Carry sucked, dude. I don't care. Even the even the album after that. I listen to the first two, and then I go to two thousand four to start with start from the dark. And Europe is amazing. I I skip Final Countdown out of this world. You can't fucking get away from that fucking final countdown no, open riff. That was fucking what everywhere. Europe became. That was what Europe is to people. And as much as people riff on the final countdown, fucking Superstition might be one of the worst songs I've ever heard in my oh, life. Yeah, that's pretty bad, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, but I'm just saying, I love the first If a mirror should break, it's easy to <laughs> take. Okay, yeah. I agree with you guys on the final countdown and that album and the album after. But when they came back in 2004, they're more deep purplish 70s rock and roll. And you're probably the only person on planet Earth that even listened to those albums because of the final <laughs> countdown. No, I final like them from Wings of Tomorrow. Final countdown was a letdown for me. What the fuck is that? I did, no, I was saying... That all those albums after 2004, you're probably the only person on planet Earth that even listened to them because no one, anyone <laughs> on planet Earth wanted to listen to Europe because of the final countdown. That's true. And or Carrie. I think Carrie's like, even worse. Metal Mike, Metal Mike says he likes the newer Europe. He didn't like the final hey, countdown. Hey, I got, I got two words. Hot Rod. Huh. <laughs> you're welcome. All right. Watch the, yeah, I got one watch the movie and tell me what the soundtrack is. <laughs> Europe just released a cool new track, man. I like it. But uh it's pretty You're cool, talking man. about docking still, right? No, I'm yeah. done with docking, man. We just talked about well, it's your tr uh whose turn is it to talk about the final thoughts, Jerry? It's yours. I already did. Sorry, Eric and Shane, I don't think talking about it. Eric and Shane. Oh look, hey Eric. Yeah. Booger, uh, I mean, excuse me. Eric <laughs> Yeah, who's Shane? Um uh, yeah, who the fuck's the Shane guy that I keep hearing about? It's Nooger uh, Fooger. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I uh, as far as the song goes, I think it's uh, it's a mixed bag. I mean, it's like a you know, it's like Halloween candy. You're gonna get shit, and you're gonna get like fucking almond joys and fucking pennies and crap. You know, it, it's a mixed bag. There's it's you kind of listen to it as a docking fan. You pick and choose what songs you're gonna listen to and add them to a playlist. Um, not one I would listen to again. Like I have my songs that I really like from it that I'll listen to again. But I have songs I'm just really not gonna go back to. Um. Uh, like Joseph said, I think he put it best, you know, if you're not a Dokken fan, then don't even bother with the sound because it's not going to turn you into a fan. Uh, but if you are a Dokken fan, though, you got to at least listen to the sound once, you know. There's some stuff you like, some stuff you may not like, you know, or me, or vice versa. Uh, but it wasn't bad, man. It was, it was fun because I got to found some cool songs that I like now. That's cool, man. And then Mooger. Um. I, I'll increase my scale to 10 on this one, but I'm going to give it about a 7 out of 10. But well said, Eric. Like This album is not going to make you a Dokken fan if you weren't. 
But being kind of a completist, when the record came out, I felt, I'm, I'm going to get it. I'm going to still support the, the 80s uh, bands in the, you know, in the midst of the 90s. Um, but it was just kind of, it felt piecemealed. It felt kind of thrown together. I mean, we, we, we've already said it, like, it was kind of directionless. It, 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 they didn't know where to go with it. And they kind of threw everything out the wall. Let's see what sticks. Let's see what this yep. is make a great album. And, yeah, because um, it was very all over the place. Yeah. And later on, like uh, Joseph was saying, it's like he raced the slate, you know, boom. They said, this is what we're going to make. This is our music. This is our sound. And it started being cohesive again. And because, uh, God damn, Shadow Life was a horrible record. Oh, God, yeah. Came out oh, man, yeah. That was I wanted to like it so bad. I wanted to. But that was the same time Wasp was coming out with Kill, Fuck, Die. Oh, and, that was a good album. Well, I, I didn't mind the record at all. But I, uh, I like the songs a lot more on Double Live Assassins than on the actual KFD album. Yeah, they sound they sound pretty good. I like the fact that is I hate industrial, but like the fact is Wasp actually wrote good songs and they just add the industrial like yeah. production to it. So it just it gives right. it like that atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean it, everything was kind of changing up and you were kind of on the verge of grunge dying, but new metal starting and where the hell does melodic metal sit in there? And it wasn't until like ninety eight, ninety nine that our beloved 80s bands started to come back and make a, make a mark, you know. And that was about the time that, like, Dokken and LA Guns and War and everybody, you know, I don't need to remind anybody about Warren's Dolly the Bell. No. Okay? no oh, no, fuck no. those albums. Fuck those albums. Doggy yeah, dog. I rules. did like Ultraphobic, but uh, Belly to Belly was bad. <laughs> oh, I hate both of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just kind of went down the drain, you know, and I think it was just everyone's getting a little lost. And this album is no different. But when you listen to each song as a song, as it is for what it is, they're not bad. The production was good. It was, in my opinion, the drums, the guitar, the bass, the vocals, all had clarity. And it was a very good attempt, but I think it just missed the mark. But that's why I still give it you know, 7 out of 10, because there's so much of this record I like. When I went back to listen to it for research for this podcast, my first thought was like, God damn, this record just does not hold up, you know, for the test of time. But then when you start diving in, you start listening to the bass, the guitar, the vocal, and some of the cheesy lyrics, whatever, you know, it, it's, it really came together for me. And I, and as a Dokken fan, yes, you should listen to this record. It will not make you a fan if you're not a Dokken fan already. And I can tell you I haven't been back to this record since probably the mid-90s. So I don't go back to it. Other than Too High to Fly might be in a playlist somewhere. Yeah, I agree with you, man. Uh, this album is like hit or miss. It's really, it's so-so. It has no direction like Joseph was saying. So, I, like I said, I give it like 7 out of 12 bong rips because it's enjoyable. I, I'll go back to it, but not as much as the first four. <laughs> it's like, yeah, those are like the holy grail right there. And Lightning Strikes. I do like Lightning Strikes and the new album. Me too. And the new album when Heaven, uh, what is it, Heaven Comes Down? Uh, yes. 
yeah, heaven comes down. You know, like they took that from under lock and key title, like you mentioned, Eric. <laughs> so now let's get to our tracks of the week. Jerry, you picked Uncle Tom's Cabin by Warrant. Fucking great tune, dude. I love that song, man. It's one of my favorite Warrant songs. Um, I saw Warrant uh, last year with, who's that new singer? Got? Robert Mason. He totally fucking ruins the Warrant for me, in my opinion, dude. He tried to sing that song and totally fucking blew it, dude. Jamie Lane was a fucking, you know, underappreciated singer, in my opinion, dude. Especially when he did ballads and slower-tempoed songs. Yeah. Uncle Tom's Cabin Cruz. I mean, just like I saw Red Heaven. I mean, his voice is awesome in ballads. It's like it was made for ballads and slower songs. And uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin Cruz, man. That's a great song, dude. It really is. Yeah, that's not a ballad, though. That's more of a slow-tempoed song, maybe. Well, you know, it's got like, some bluesy shit, too. Yeah, it does. I'm just saying, it's, it's not like, you know... Fucking cherry pie or that crap like that. Well, cherry so, yeah. pie was written under fucking duress. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> all right. Then we get to uh, Mooger Fuger. You picked from the new Dawkin album, Fugitive. Mooger, turn your mic on. He's on mute. Yes, sir. You, know, you <laughs> picked Dawkin Fugitive, man. Yeah, I really love the the new um, Dawkin Heaven, uh, Heaven Comes Down. It's so I think almost the same day or, or maybe a week apart, the new Lynch Mob and the new Docking Drop. And I listened to the new Lynch Mob once. But didn't have a, a urge to go back to it. <laughs> it gives um, me an urge it gives me an urge to do something else. Like uh, Okay, okay. So <laughs> we we already recorded that episode that Babylon uh, okay. He Heaven Comes Down, I think is in fact I was walking the dog today and I listened to it again. So I, I have gone back to this record uh, several times. I think it's I think it's well produced. I think it's well mixed. I think it's well written. Um, you know, like Dawkins said, if you don't like his vocals, just leave. You know, and his vocals aren't what they used to be, but they still sound good. And I love the song. Yeah, and then I, I'm just gonna say that that Lynch Mob album that's already been out for a couple weeks or three or four weeks now that we did was the last episode with Charles Trainer, And just to let you know, he quit after that episode. So I'll tell you how bad that album Suck might be. That, I should tell you something about the album. He said, I'm done with this podcast after that album. Thank you, Bill uh, Algy. I, I would quit too if I had to review a fucking Lynch Mob album. Fuck that shit. Well, I Fuck guess Lynch I picked Mob. it, man. It was funny. So, But that was cool because that's what album I think we all agreed on. It's like, Fuck it, eh? Is, is John Levin still Dawkins' guitar player? Yes. Yeah. Was, okay. He's a good guitar player. He's great. All right. Yeah. Then I pick uh, Allison Chain's Grind. Uh, I love that fucking song. That's in uh, honor of Charles Trainer because that's one of his favorite uh, Allison Chain's albums. So there you go, brother. And then freaking uh, Eric picked uh, The Beginning at Last from Black Label Society. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah, man. And then, Joseph, I, I have to end with you because you picked a Beatles song. That always has to take out the show. But before we get to that, I want you to uh, promote your new podcast that's probably been out since then. Yeah, so probably when you're hearing this episode, we might have an episode to out by then. But uh, the the dearly departed former co-host of Freeform Rock Podcast, Charles Trainer, uh, is starting a brand new podcast. <laughs> And it is going to be him and I and uh, Travis Parada are going to be hosting it. And it is called What's the Story? 
And so hopefully we'll have a couple episodes out by the time you hear this. I'm really excited for it. We got some really cool uh, ideas for episodes lined up. We got some really cool guests lined up. Um, yeah, so I'm really excited to hear. I'm excited to really for everyone to hear when we get this thing launched. Right on. I can't wait to hear that. And um, and then we get to your track, which is the Beatles' "Tomorrow Never Knows," which had to oh, good the one. Tracks of the week. So Hell yeah! Track and then Eric, I want you to pimp your shit, man. Yeah, man, uh, check out the Rock Over You podcast. Uh, I mean, at the time I, re- I record this, uh, the episode will be out, but, uh, you know, in two days we'll have the new Docking episode out, which is our part two of Docking Around the Christmas Tree. Uh, and we got two great episodes coming up as well that were recorded, just need to be edited and put out. Uh, one of them with Mr. Wildman Jeff Beers reviewing a really classic, you know, killer metal album. I don't you think anyone here it. hates. Yeah. Finally, yeah. Uh, and then we do a great punk album that edwin picked uh you know for another upcoming episode that was a fun episode to do uh i'll leave that one i'll leave the albums a secret though but uh so we got some good stuff coming up check All us right. out uh go subscribe and fucking leave us a goddamn review for fuck's sakes you know oh i can't keep leaving reviews i already left four uh so uh jerry final thoughts man um, buy physical media, except for that shitty Bono book back there. Don't fucking buy that. Uh, yeah, fuck yeah. that shit. I'll tell everyone, I'll suggest everyone, as we're recording this, the new Blue Oyster Cult live album just came out yesterday. It's, uh, for their 50th anniversary, they did three concerts last September in New York, and each night they played one of their first three albums in its entirety. Oh, shit. And so the first album that they released yesterday, it's the first night, the full concert, two CDs and a DVD. It's the first album in its entirety, plus a bunch of really killer other tracks. That's the band They're I pulling. just saw, right? Yeah. <laughs> they Blue were Oyster great. Call. Yeah. And it's the same lineup and everything, but Albert Bouchard is on, It's gonna be. he's going to be on all three sets. He played all three nights with them okay. for most of the show. Nice. And so... They pulled out a bunch of deep cuts for these these shows. I mean, they're pulling out stuff from Club Ninja. They're pulling out. Um, <laughs> they're pulling out. They, they're playing a lot of stuff off Symbol Remains, which is one of my favorite albums of the past couple of years. Um, and like I said, I'm excited for the next two sets because it's going to be the next set's going to be Tyranny and Mutation in its, in its entirety, and then the final set's going to be um, uh, Secret Treaties in its entirety. So oh, I'm really excited. Nice. I'm really excited. And if this set's any indication, I watched the DVD last night. It was freaking amazing. So anyone who's a big Blue Oyster Cult fan or really wants to check out Blue Oyster Cult, they still sound amazing live. I saw them and in a swap meet. They kicked definitely ass. Definitely check this out. Yeah, I just I saw them last year as well, and they they for being fifty years old and all of the all of them being in their seventies, pretty much, they sound amazing. Yes. All right, man, Jerry. Any more thoughts? <clears throat> nah, man. Um, stay healthy, everybody, man. I mean, eat good. Drink water, move. That, moving is the most important fucking thing, man. Get off your ass, walk, take a walk. Do something to keep moving. Um, stay healthy, like I said. I've had a couple bouts recently where I was kind of ill and um, changed my thinking of my health, you know, as far as eating and drinking and all that shit. So, um, well, you shouldn't, like, take care of yourself, folks, man. Stay healthy, man. You, you know, life's short, man. Don't make it shorter. All right. I'll, I'll give my final thoughts and we'll let Mooger go last. Uh, Man, uh, it's a fucking, I like this album, like, like, share, and subscribe, give us a five-star review, Charles Trainer, Joseph Staub, uh, Travis Perotta, I wish you guys luck, I'll share your show, you know, you guys rule, and, uh, Thanks, Mooger man, Thanks, Fruit, man. no problem, man, you know I support you, man, 
I will always support you, and I, I'm glad you're still going to be a guest on future episodes. But uh, Mooger, man, Mooger Fuger, final thoughts, brother. Hey, thanks for everyone for joining us. Um, definitely download, review, let us know if we suck, if we're good. If we suck, still put five stars on there. That'd be great. <laughs> Five um, stars, five stars suckage. We can take it. Man. Yeah. Five stars, we suck. Awesome. Um, I love each and every one of you. Definitely hug the ones you love because you don't know when the next time's gonna be. We're just losing yeah, too many sure, people. Right? Great yeah. man. Yeah, like Jerry said, man, take care of yourselves, man, so we can we can continue to do this and bust each other's balls and <laughs> have a good time and and just talk about what we love, which is music. So yeah, man, peace out. See you guys. <laughs> All right, guys, man. Take See it easy. Later. Later.
You have just listened to the Freeform Rock Podcast. All music played on the Freeform Rock Podcast belongs to its owner. If you like it, go out and buy it. Get your music on Amazon, iTunes, or at your local record store. Support what you love. Support the artist by seeing them live. Purchase their music. The Freeform Rock Podcast is not affiliated with any of the artists or music that we play. Thank you for listening to the Freeform Rock Podcast. We'll see you on the next episode. Until next time, stay free and rock on.